it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Team Never Quit podcast is sponsored by Navy Federal Credit Union. The Navy Federal Credit Union More Rewards American Express card earns members three times the points at supermarkets, food delivery and gas, plus one point on everything else. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. All right, everybody, welcome back to the TNQ Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Luttrell. Every week, it's my job to fire you up, to ignite the legend inside of you, and to push you to your greatness. Join me every week as I take you into my briefing room with some of the most hard-charging people on the planet. They're going to show you how to embrace the suck of life, teach you the values of working your ass off, and charge through whatever life throws at you. This is the Team Never Quit Podcast. Podcast. So buckle up, buttercup. What up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Team Never Quit podcast. We're hanging out in the studio. How was everybody's Father's Day? Good. Any uh, lazy? Great. Lazy. It was great. Did you guys do anything amazing? I took the, my old my youngest son on a jet ski. We got to get got a new jet ski, and I took him out into uh, Lake Boca, and we went to the the we were going to go into the ocean, and he saw the waves in the, in the inlet, and he goes, "Nope, turn around. We're going back." And I was like, "All right." He's not there. Yet. How old is he? Three. So oh. he saw the waves. He saw the waves. No, no. If he was eight, we'd be like, no, man, that's it, dude. He wouldn't even be with him, right? No, no. I'd, I'd be like, you're on your own. Get, yeah. out, get off. Come on. Jump off. Yeah. Swim. Could appreciate the launch factor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I had a perfect one, too. Up for breakfast. Kids came in, made, made pancakes. It was one of the best Father's Day ones. You were just kind of with them all day, and then they left when they at a good time. Watched a baseball game, swam in the pool for a while, had a great dinner. Call it a night. It's pretty, pretty awesome, actually. They took me to the hibachi grill. We had sushi and hibachi. And then we went home and took a nap for the rest of the day. They both, those both sound great. They were amazing. How old are your kids? Four and eight. Okay. Mine are four and eight. I'm two, two sons. Both sound great. That's yeah. great. It's amazing. Oh. People are like, did you get anything? <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah, I got a nap. You know how big of a deal that is? That's a big deal. That's it's a huge, huge. Yeah. I mean, you can't pay money for that kind of thing. That's no. true. He also got to train our oldest. Yeah, I brought him is, to the gym. Is a yep. gift. It's a, yeah, so he didn't want to. My oldest, who's eight, he didn't want to work out. Right, he hasn't. He's he's eh, kind of iffy with working out. We had to do some push ups here and there, but I said, look, for Father's Day, you're gonna come with me and you're gonna train legs. And he's like, no, great way to start him out. Yeah, he's like, no, no way, no. Yeah, <laughs> and math. We're gonna do legs and math. Yeah, legs right? and math. Yeah, <laughs> and then I'm gonna hit you. No, no. And she convinced him. She's like, hey, you, you got to do it. Like, this Father's Day. What do you, you don't really have a choice. You have to do what he wants to do. And so he, he's like, okay, I'll do 10 minutes of legs. 10 minutes. I was like, all right, let's go. And we stretched. He's like, this is legs. I'm like, no, this is not legs. This is stretching. There's no legs. 
And then we started, we did some uh, supersets of stuff at the gym and, and he, he ended up doing 20 minutes. And at the end, he's like, did I do 10 minutes? Like, yeah, you did 10 minutes. And uh, that was, that's progress for us. It was fun to have him do it. Everybody in there, also everybody came up and was like, hey man, start him young. Look, you're gonna be strong like dad and stuff. And, and he loved that. So it was pretty cool. That's good. Yeah. That's a great way to start him out. Yeah, great way to do it. Well, the Patreon question of the day, I think is perfect since we've got Redcom one in the house. What music band will pump your, like pump up your motivation when you're in the gym and you hear it every time, what is the song? What is the band? Do you got a song? I already know. You know yeah. my you know my band. Well, I don't know if you're. What's the one? <laughs> she knows hers. Well, I mean, I know Rob Rob Bailey. Well, I love I love Rob Bailey, but um, he's my friend and stuff. But I would yeah. say Pantera, you know, is my is probably the pump you up band. And like, if I'm thinking of one specific song, it's uh, Fucking Determined, um, which is um, I don't even know what the band. Uh, it's a uh, What's fucking determined? I don't even know. I don't know the band. I just type in fucking determined. That's the one. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's the. Speaks the for itself. Yeah, pretty much. So I guess I shouldn't come out with Celine Dion. <laughs> what, what you got? Uh, Roy Jones Jr. If you want to get fired up, like if you want to get to where you punching every bag down and just keep going, throw in Roy Jones Jr. Listen to him rap. That putting it just. I don't think I've ever heard that before. Just, yeah, I don't think anybody has. You told me since she had somebody. They said it was off the chain. Just really? check you. it out. I That's will, I, I'm the same way as you, the metal and everything. Yeah, yeah. And it's certainly in the gym. But I mean, if I had to go straight, just Roger zombie Jr. warfare, throw That's Roy it. in your ear, man. Wow. I'm going to check him out. Go hard or sure. go home. Was one of the songs. I mean, bro, as soon as you hear it, as soon as it chimes up, man, dude, wow. tingle up your spine. You're like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I'll check that out. Um, Body head bangers. Yeah, I, I still love that song from Southpaw that Rob did with Rob Beast yeah, yeah. with Buster Rhymes. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm beast. a fucking beast. Yeah, yeah, that's a yeah, good that's one. A good one. Oh. That uh, the Trick Daddy song, "Let's Go," gets Let's me go. every time. I guess I was kind of late on hearing it. I'm sure. I, I'm sure I heard that one before. I don't know about Roy Jones Jr., but I'll check that one out. Yeah, that's, I mean, I mean, just the just the I music my phone. I was like, all right, fine. We'll listen to the whole. We'll go out and take a break. <laughs> Everyone listen to one song. Come back in. Was, Get a quick pump. Like, <laughs> can't help it. As soon as the song comes on. Check it out. All right, guys. We've got a great guest in store today. Aaron Singerman, founder of Redcon One, the fastest growing sports nutrition company in history. In four short years, their company went from five employees to over 100. And as they've grown, they've been able to branch out with their own charity, the Redcon One Foundation, as well as being able to support numerous other charities and charitable causes. Aaron battled heroin addiction and won, becoming a very successful businessman. Welcome to the show, Aaron. Darielle Singerman, the the wife and uh, the 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 inspiration to all this stuff. If it wasn't for Darielle um, and me and her getting together, I wouldn't have had the drive and motivation and the support to achieve the stuff that that he just talked about a moment ago. So I where'd, used uh, that to, to push where, it. Where did you find this dude? On the street somewhere in Houston, <laughs> that's not around true. here. Ones you I think he's outside these gates actually. Uh, outside these gates, looking for us. Yeah. Tell the truth. Um, no, so we met. I was I was competing. Um, I used to compete in MPC physique competitions. What ten years? It was exactly ten years ago, actually, this month. And he was working for a website that would cover shows, bodybuilding shows, and travel. It was like the Bob Costas of bodybuilding yeah. and fitness, basically. You Which, were? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I well, see that. You yeah, well, look like Bob Costas. No, so. no, I'm taller <laughs> and yeah, a little different. But he he traveled and did commentary, right? And that's kind of what I did. Also, and it was back when it was like. 
it wasn't really social media. It was more like forums yeah. on websites, sure, and that's yeah. how you would get your information of you know the shows and or just magazines, whatever it right? looks like. Then, yeah, well, I wrote yeah. for a mag. I wrote for uh, um, several magazines there. and stuff, but yeah, but uh, yeah, at the time you were just yeah. Yeah, so RX Muscle was the was the main bodybuilding uh, kind of multimedia website that would go to shows. So we'd go, I'd go to, you know, if there's a show in India or a show in Asia or wherever, I'd go wherever it was and I'd commentate and say, you know, this guy looked like this, this girl like this, and I'd do interviews. And so uh, I went to the show that she was at and she was competing and we had talked on the internet before on Facebook. And uh, when I met her, it's the truth, you right? say MySpace. Yeah, literally. Yeah. 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 It's funny because when, when that happened 10 years ago, that was really unique. Like people were like, man, on the internet? That's so weird, right? Uh, now it's like everybody meets oh, yeah, some That's a form. good point. I remember somebody saying that way back then. They're like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah, Facebook? It's weird. Seriously? Yeah, it's weird, right? At yeah. the time, it was really weird. People, her family, my family would be like, is that really smart? You know, you met on Facebook? Now, but like uh, compared to like a bar or wherever else, right? But uh now, library or church? Our library and church. That's better. That's a little better. <laughs> oh, yeah. Library and church. Yeah. Um, so we uh, we met uh, on on Facebook and then met in person at the show in, in uh, Chicago uh, mm -hmm. at Junior Nationals, where she was trying to get a pro card. And, yeah, so uh, I was competing, and yeah, we just I mean immediately hit it off. He was in Houston, I was in Tampa, and I mean. Kind of history from there. Yeah. I moved to Tampa to be with her because I could do my job from anywhere. And then mm -hmm. we got pregnant. We got married. We had a baby. We had two more. <laughs> three total <laughs> businesses. Three total. Yeah. Three little boys. Yeah, little boys. a whole bunch of businesses, and uh, here we are. Same with you guys. How'd you how'd you back it up? Though? How'd y'all get into this sport? Because it's I mean we're not. Just yeah, talking let's about... take, let's start. Let's go way back. Yeah, way back. I'm let's not start saying with that part. Let's, yeah, let's, the drive. Let's, let's start. Anything you get into and start is going to be successful. Yeah, you have to drive to build anything. But so, so for me, it started back in, when I was a little, when I was a kid. You know, before I was a teenager. You know, I, I remember watching Predator with my dad, and I always remember there's a scene that so good, the best. That movie's best. so good, the best. She still hasn't seen it, by the way. What? I'm trying to embarrass her. I got you. I know. Yeah. On the way back, yeah, you, need to, you need to watch it. You know, we could probably <laughs> get, yeah, at the, the, the place. Yes. Okay. You, when, when we're there tonight, you'll watch Predator. Yeah, yeah. We've, you I've been. Guys I've been. Be out. Yeah. I'll just. Be back <laughs> we'll be right there with you. Somebody else do all the talking. We'll see yeah. if we get, get him to show it at the drive-in. <laughs> so, um, so you know, when when Arnold is like, you know, he and puts his arm out, right? And you see the, you know, there's two parts that I loved. When him and, uh, uh, I think it's Washington, right, is the guy's name? The black dude, they do like the, the handshake, oh, yeah. the Carl agency Waters. guy. Carl Carl Dillon. Dillon. Washington, yeah. Dillon. They do like that. And uh, kind of arm wrestle, and then the other scene is when he tells him to stop, you know, yeah, stop. And, the whole thing and, he, and he flexes, <laughs> freaking does that, yeah. And you're like, he does like that, and you're like, whoa. And me and my dad watched that together, and I remember thinking, like, whoa, that guy's awesome, right? I didn't know why or whatever, but I was like, that's awesome. And so, uh, I since that very moment, you know, I was always thought that was cool. And as when kids were getting dropped off from school, all my you know, kids on the bus would get dropped off at their house, but I would get dropped off at the gym at French Riviera Spa in New Orleans, Louisiana, where I grew up, and they would drop me off at the gym. And uh, and for me, that was like that was the the spot that I would be able to figure this stuff out and get like get like Arnold, right? And so from 13 years old, uh, I went there till I graduated high school or ish. Before I, I didn't even graduate, I, I didn't finish high school, so I guess since, until I was 17 and I quit high school, uh, I would go there every day and get dropped off. Uh, at the gym when other kids were getting either playing sports or getting dropped off at their house. And so, you know, that was the beginning of fitness and bodybuilding for me because I was fascinated in uh, in building that physique, even though in the beginning I had no idea what I was doing, you know. And you're how old now? I'm 41. 41. So you started a year before Arnold did, right? Because he was 14. So he, 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 yeah, something like that. And he yeah, was, Arnold. Arnold was 40 years old in Predator. Or, yeah. Or 41. 
Yeah, something like that. I remember that, when yeah. I turned 40, I was like, what did Arnold look like when he was 40? Yeah. Killing it, right? Yeah, he was doing good. He was doing good. Like, he, that pumping iron, and then he had a book out, too, like how to lift weights. He had weights. Arnold Encyclopedia Bodybuilding. Bodybuilding. The, that was the first, one of the first books that I, I went to Barnes & Noble and, and bought that book because that had all the information. Had everything, right? Had everything. You still, still have does. that? I don't know. I think I have the first it's one. Probably a collector's item now, but yeah. Oh yeah. Well, they, they make they continue to make them, but my my one from back then probably would be a collector's item because it was probably like one of the first editions ish, you know. And uh, it has everything. Like that's really all you need to know is really in there. It is, right? Yeah. He had all his wisdom, all the stuff about when he started training and his history, and then also uh, what you should be doing. You know the the exercises. What's the point of the exercise? All the even stuff about how to flex your muscles and how to. Uh, you know, man, picture we saw, yourself. We saw Commando. That changed oh, my yeah. life. I was like, that, man, that's awesome. what I want to be right there, just like that, kind of from eating sa- eating the sandwiches and, and oh, the was way awesome. he did everything. And when you would look at him, too, he was functional. Oh, you yeah. wanted to be his size. I just remember seeing and thinking that. Yeah. Like sometimes now the guys are so big, you're like, I can't even, you couldn't even crawl uh-huh. around if you're that big. Oh, but guys are huge now. Yeah, no, it's oh not. God, it's unbelievable, right? No, no it's one, insane. Yeah, we have uh, at, at, at the gym, one of, the, of our uh, athletes is Kai Green, who's... Oh, you know, yeah. Well, who Dude, what's up, <laughs> Kai, right? Yeah. Man. He works at Joe's Space? Well, he works yeah. for me, and then he works out at the gym. He moved to, from New York to Boca uh, to work out at the gym. I was watching something on him last night, man. Inadvertently <laughs> tell him we're big fans. Oh, well, you can send him down here. He'll love it. He'll love it. He's don't tell him. Don't tell him, though, because I always like... Man, he's I don't always like a real life, dude. He's awesome. I do my physical therapy every year. When I'm down there, I that's all I watch is bodybuilding. That's awesome. You kind of just zone in, right? What you surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. All right. Well, he would. He would. He would love to come. I'm sure he would love to come down here. Um, if I would known that, I brought him. Uh, yeah, he works for us full time, and he is at the gym every day. Oh, yeah. You yeah. need to block out like at least. What? How many hours? Over For Kai, him? oh Kai, like maybe a Kai solid eight hours. Talk. Yeah, he likes to talk. Yeah. He's very, uh, very interesting those? guy. Oh yeah, we got oh, somebody yeah. like that. When they call, you'd be like, "Man, I don't have eight hours." To, yeah, yeah. To hash I got out five minutes, man. Yeah, Kai's a long. He's a long talker. He's a great. He's a great. Mm-hmm. Really great. Nice guy, but he always has a lot to say. So when when you conversationalist, uh, oh, he's a, he, yeah. big time, big time. It's it's hard for him to get out a a, a a succinct thought, right? So when you talk to him, he's got a lot to say about whatever you ask, and it won't be like, "So this is where I was born." This done. It'll be like there's a story behind everything. Uh, but he's he's an artist, you know. He's an artist, and the, every part of him is an artist, and uh, and that's how he figures. Like we were talking about bodybuilding the other day. He came to the office and was talking about competing again. And he said, I have to add clay here and here. I have to imagine the sculpture. I have to think. I'm like, all right, all right, all right. So we're going to do it or what? <laughs> like, right. Yeah, but he's, he's a great guy. But for Kai, right, Kai is extremely flexible, and he's, he's very in tune with his body, but he's not going to be able to run any distance, right? He's not going to be able to he's not doing what you guys were doing. It would be impossible. His body would break down. He's 308 pounds at 5'8". You know, how are you going to run, right? It's not, it's not a thing. Oh, well, you get, imagine putting body armor on that. Remember when oh, we were kids, man. the He-Man figures? Oh yeah, like we had some guys that they, they they couldn't they couldn't put their arms together. They were so big with their gear with on, with the body armor. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah, but, that would be an impediment, right? If you were if you can't even yeah, your combat yeah. ineffective. Yeah, there, there there is a there's a reason why if you look throughout the pictures and the warriors throughout our past from Vietnam, the World War II, they're usually slender. Yeah, right. Our generation first ones where we look like our our toy soldiers kind of <laughs> deal. Yeah. And, and then they had to develop the gear around us. Yeah. yeah. When uh, when you go back, like watching guys the history your size of, in there. Yeah. Of bodybuilding is amazing. How the body. And I know you've met some of them because I'm going through your list here. Who I know, Are your guys. Oh, I know a lot of team guys. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Ooh. You know a lot of people. Yeah. Anyway, takes yeah. back to okay. uh, 17 Louisiana. 
Oh man, uh, hard times. <laughs> 17 Louisiana. So yeah, in Louisiana, in in 17, when I was 17 years old, yeah, we had. I mean, I had a lot of like my my life has not been easy, right? Uh, it's been uh, there's been drama along the way quite a bit, and that drama has sh shaped me and shaped this journey with me and her and the the businesses. And when I was 17 years old, uh, that time, you know, I was going back and forth to Tijuana. So I left my 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 parents, great parents. They didn't do anything wrong, you know. I want to make sure I make sure to say that my dad passed away about five years ago, and my my mom has moved to Boca, and I have great parents. the The mistakes I made are all on my own, you know. It's not because of something they did or something bad happened to me. It was my own choices, my own bad choices. But my own bad choices at seventeen led me to move out of my house because I was making money selling drugs. You know, I was able to, or I not able to. I was going back and forth to Tijuana. At the time, uh, the first time I went to Tijuana, I, I pretended to go visit a girl so my parents would pay. And I realized I could go get steroids and other drugs and stuff in Tijuana. And so when I came back from Tijuana, uh, getting it very cheap, I started selling it, making money, selling steroids and stuff like that. And uh, and basically, the truth is that I was able to tell my parents, like, I don't want to live here anymore. I want to get an apartment. I want to stop school. And there was nothing they could really do at the time, even though they wanted to. They wanted to stop me and help me make a better decision for myself. But truth is when you're that age and you have the resources you know and you, you're just you made a decision that's kind of what happened where i where i made the bad decision uh to to move out and get an apartment and go back and forth to tijuana at the time by the way uh tsa all the stuff in uh, didn't 1997 exist. didn't exist yeah, it was back in yeah 97 96 97 they didn't there was no because every once in a while i'll tell this part of the story my story and people go well how are you going to get that back? It's, it was nothing then. They didn't. They didn't look, and you didn't go through uh, anything. There was no security at all. You know, back then you could go with a friend or a girlfriend or whatever and go right to the gate, and they could yeah wave you, say hey, we'll see you later, and you'd walk right to the gate with your friends. Now, obviously, it's not possible. You know, um, but yeah, in, when I was seventeen, that's that's kind of what happened in my life. Is I moved out of my house, I quit high school, never finished. Uh, going to high school. I ended up going back the, a year or two later because my parents were insistent on getting a GED. And I said, like, look, I could at least do this for them. When I got a GED and it was uh, very uh, very easy. I didn't have to do anything really. I, I read books and they let me sit in the back of the class for a few weeks until I was able to take the test and then pass the test. Um, but, uh, you know, for me, my life in that at that age was was – was basically wanting to be done with this. Like I didn't, I didn't like school. I was not a good student. I wasn't interested in it. And ultimately, I found that when I'm interested, I always do very well. And if I'm not interested, it's very hard for me to pretend to be interested. You know, and you get older, you have the choice to be interested in stuff or not. But as a kid, you, you do what they tell you, to some degree. Um, and uh, and so for me, uh, that's what I did until I got in trouble. And I got arrested uh, several times in a row as a kid. And uh, stateside or coming back. Uh, no, no. Thank, thankfully, not not in Mexico. That would have been really bad. Uh, by the way, Mexico at the time, Tijuana was much different than it is today. So the people think of Tijuana now, you think like narcos and shit, right? Yeah. You think like people getting kidnapped and stuff. But back then... Back then it was fun, right? I was fun. Yeah, it was fun. And, and, and uh, you guys... When did you guys go to San Diego? When was the... 99, 90, 90, yeah, 90. So it's still, it's still fun. You, you could, yeah. you could still go down there. Yeah, still go down still there. Fun. without a passport. Right, you go down, you walk, walk across, you take or take the red bus, you come back. It was, uh, it was easy and fun and whatever. And you're not, it's not dangerous. Now it's crazy. You know it's supposed it to be fun down there. I don't, I, I, that's the biggest thing. Now that they torn that place up like that, I wish, I wish it was. It was poor town. It's supposed to be fun. Wasn't fun for you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we had a blast, man. Yeah, yeah. Extremely, extremely. 
Yeah. So I had a great. I mean, that's, I have a good time wherever I go usually. But yeah, it was fun. <laughs> well, back then, I mean, man, it was it was uh, it was a unique unique place, unique situation. And, and as a seventeen year old and an eighteen year old going there, you could drink. So right? you're flying from Louisiana. Yeah, I was flying from Louisiana, and uh, I would take a, a the whatever flag I could get, uh, and then initially I was staying in a hotel uh, across the border in San Diego and then I would take a bus across or, or whatever and then I would come back and then once I knew people there they would do a you know a donkey which is like somebody would bring it back for you right um, and uh, the, it was initially I would go there stay in a hotel room and go across meet people and then bring it back and then eventually after going enough times they would bring it just to the hotel in San Diego so I didn't have to go back across but initially it was fun because you go there and there's parties and you know girls and stuff and it was like a fun it was a whole fun exciting thing to go do uh over and over again um it was much different yes, especially though. at 17 yeah 17 you know it was, it was great um but it, it ended up uh ended up where I, it was more of a business thing than a than a uh than a fun thing but i ended up getting arrested um for stupid stuff for getting steroids imported to me from outside of the country and then you know a bunch of dumb things that end up being end up being one charge and when that charge happened uh, i went in front of a judge and the judge said they combined fortunately they combined everything into one one case and said okay you can go to rehab or you go to the military and i really had to think about that like what did i want to do and i and i had a moment of you know thinking about like because so for me redcon one the supplement brand has always been for us, it's you know been more than just selling cool supplements and making money or giving a good deal to people and making good products, right? It's always been purpose driven. So from the very beginning of Redcon One five years ago, you know we wanted it to be something that meant something, right? And so uh, for us, we chose the military because I have such close ties, even though I didn't serve. You know, my grandfather was uh, was an officer at D-Day who was uh, a Jewish officer, which is very rare to lead anybody at D-Day. Um, and uh, my other grandfather served in Korea, fought in Korea. And so as a little kid, I grew up uh, going to my grandparents' house on Friday nights, every Friday night for, uh, for Shabbat dinner. And we would go there and I would see in the closet his uniform my grandfather who served in World War II. And I would see the, the uniform and ask him about it. And he would tell me stuff very rarely, not a lot. Uh, but every once in a while, he'd tell me something. And I'd look at all the medals he won and stuff and think, wow, that's awesome. Like maybe one day that'll be my future. So when 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 it all went down and I got in trouble, there was a lot of me that thought like, maybe that's what my, I'm meant to do. But I was also realistic. Like I'm such like a fuck up at the time. Like, am I gonna am I gonna be able to allow somebody to tell me what to do? And uh, thankfully, I didn't cho choose that path because I don't think it would have been successful for me at that time. You know, I think I would have been I would have been kicked out, or it would have been it would have been a problem because I wasn't I wasn't ready to to do that at the time. You know, I wouldn't have been able to take direction from anybody. So um, that was the uh, the beginning. At that point, was the beginning of of you know more trouble. You know, it was this is this is only the beginning of the trouble. Um, at eighteen, you know, it was uh, a long, a long. Uh, there is a book there's coming. A book. Yeah, there's a book coming. Yeah, there's a book coming. Were you already yeah. lifting by this time with bodybuilding? Yeah, so bodybuilding was the, the one thing that that was consistent from from then to thirteen years old to today. Yeah, it's so the one thing in, working out or bodybuilding. You know, at the time it was working hey, sports. Out. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. Yeah, you know, of course, no, of course. Um, so I did sports. I wasn't really good at anything. You know, I played high school football. I played a bunch of different sports, but I wasn't ever like good at them. You know, I wasn't the star, right? I was always like a supporting player, right? Uh, in bodybuilding and and in, in, in really working out, lift, weightlifting, I, I was making progress where other kids weren't able to 
keep up, right? So I'd bring somebody to the gym and I'd bench 315 and they would do 225. And so for me, there was some, you know, bodybuilding or fit. I, when I say bodybuilding, a lot of it's weightlifting because at that age, it wasn't actually bodybuilding. I wasn't competing in Mr. Olympia. I wasn't doing shows, bodybuilding shows, right? But the fact that hard work um, kind of equaled results, right? So in basketball, hard work doesn't, if you don't have the genetic capabilities, if you're not like blessed athletically, doesn't you could work as hard as you want. You still aren't going to be as good as somebody else who's better, right? But at that age with weightlifting, I felt like it was more equivalent. So if I work my ass off and I eat right and I do everything I need to do, I have a really good shot at being just as good or better than most people. But you talk about like football, you know, if you, so for me, I played uh, high school football as a freshman. I never had any football experience. So when I, they just said, you're a big kid and you got to play, you're big, you're big, play, play. And we got, I got like harassed into playing. And when I played, I'm like, oh, I actually not very good because all these other kids have been playing since they're peewee football. They knew what they're doing. I had no idea. And nobody sat down with me and said, hey, this is what you should do. This is how you tackle this. Is how you do it. Here are so the mechanics. They just threw me into it and they here, go. I was like, oh, he sucks. So I, I, I sucked. I mean, I played the whole time. I was never really, I never felt like I was good. But in lifting weights, I always felt like I'm actually pretty good. So that and you was see the, results. And you There's see results. Like a, you see discernible, yeah. yeah. So if you're benching 225 for four and next week you bench it for five or six or seven, right? I feel like, wow, that actually worked. Like, so the effort that I put in actually was discernible and definitive. Whereas in football, you're like, you could, you could work your ass off or basketball, you work your ass off and you have a bad game. You're like, well, did it even, did this even matter? Right. Uh, so for me, that was something really cool that I'd see. I'd look at my arm and be like, oh, my arm's a little bit, a little closer to Arnold. Right. Um, versus where you look at it and you go, I don't know if I made a better shot or if I, you know, what happened here. Uh, so for me, I think that was a very appealing part of working out where I could say like this worked, right. Or this didn't work and, 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 you know, double down. What got you into it? Um, so we actually, we're, we're pretty similar as far as like our background. I mean, I, I got into it later, but I had my own issues as a teen. I kind of went off on my own um, path. <laughs> um, when I was 16, my parents sent me very unnecessarily to um, a couple of rehabs out of state. Um, very just not my place. You know, I didn't really belong there, but they felt that I did. So um, I also had, you know, dropped out of high school, got my GED, um, came back home, and I started, you know, fucking up bad. And I uh, was taken to a boarding school. I was kidnapped. They called kidnapped. And um, taken to a boarding school that was like a lockdown behavioral boarding school. And I was there for like a year and a half. Um, and that was, I always say it was like, military jail style because you just everything was in lines and silence and pretty terrible the place got closed down for inhumane treatment and like you know of kids and stuff it was like if you google it it's like what's the name of the place for people um carolina springs academy you can google it and it's like got shut down for like inhumane treatment of children it's pretty wild This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. 
Carolina. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. It turned out well, amazing. We, I mean, I'm just curious as to what you would say, because we all kind of grew up on a, a little bit of a wild side, mm-hmm. and but look what we've developed into. Mm-hmm. And look at what a short amount of time it's it's you know taken us in the in the big life scheme of things. Oh yeah. I was talking to someone, but it's like not only did we stre- do stretches in the military, then we immediately got out and then grew. One of my buddies is a coffee company. I mean, just and now you're looking like now what do we do? You mm-hmm. kind of go so fast, and what you're doing. And back in the day when we were teenagers, they'd send us away. What would you tell us? I mean, I got a daughter coming up now. I'm like, what would you say to yourself now that would be beneficial? To myself? Yeah. Like back then? Yeah. Like what would I tell my, my teenage self? Yeah. Nothing. She wouldn't listen. She, she was <laughs> stubborn as shit. I think. She's still stubborn as shit. Yeah. I, you know what? I, um, so it was a good thing then. It was the, the boarding school was a great thing. The first time I think uh, the right people weren't listening or talking to me. It was just pushed into, you know, therapies and things that were just terrible. That what now as a parent, I would not do what my parents that like I would take a whole different approach as far as finding someone that they can relate to and they feel like they can figure out what what's going on, what they want, what they, you know, there's not a box of what you need to fit in. And I think that that was a big thing I grew up with is that there was a box and um, I don't believe in that. I like being outside the box. So I think with our kids now, I would give a lot more options and, you know, flexibility and conversation and kind of open that up. And then obviously I could say everything now. I don't know what would happen (laughs) in reality, but we interview we, we interview so many people that they they have similar childhoods, like all of us, like you two, and it's almost inevitably, it's almost like you were, you're you're wandering for something, and then when you find it, I mean, look how you turned out. Mm-hmm. And you found each other too. That's even yeah. a cooler story. Your backgrounds are so similar. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, our no, career so counselors I, didn't. Ha- I'm sorry. No, so I, I so I was just so how I got into fitness is when I got out. I had gained, I mean, a ton of weight. So there was the physical aspect, but then also, so actually in the first rehab that I went to, I had become close with a woman who, I think she had been a bodybuilder um, or something. She knew about fitness. And so she kind of taught me some workouts and brought, and so our only time to get away was to go to the gym at like the local Y. So I would be the only girl going to work out and while everyone else was kind of hanging out. And I just loved the feeling of lifting weights and, the endorphins and everything that you got from it. So when I got out, I immediately went back to the gym, and that was like my segue into my life of like this is what I need. That to was do. your new drug. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then it's been stuck ever since. <laughs> <laughs> I remember back in our day, our career counselors didn't have you can own a supplement company. That wasn't an option. No. Like we got buddies at the, the Nitro Circus Boys that get to jump motorcycles. I mean, that just wasn't a thing. It's like no. you got to do this, this, and this. Well, our generation is, is if we were as extreme as we were on our end, then y'all have to be. One can't exist without the other. One feeds the other. Right. That was the coolest part, especially now how we're, we're, we keep growing into this and we keep merging, like we get to see each other and what we've accomplished. That's, that's the coolest part. It's here, and hearing, uh, hearing the backstories about it, it's like, man, they threw us out of everything all the time. It was unbelievable. How did you get in this lane to end up where you are now? Yeah. Yeah, so um, so so before I met Darielle, you know, I I, I had mentioned uh, you guys had mentioned that you know 
uh, in the intros that uh, I was an intravenous heroin addict, heroin and cocaine intravenous, you know, IV injection. And uh, before I met her, that's pretty, uh, hardcore. Never... That's pretty hardcore. Yeah, it's pretty hardcore. It's pretty hardcore for sure. Not a uh, not not many people um, come out of that. It's kind of like a shitty statistic, but like ninety eight percent of the people who are addicted to intravenous heroin don't don't come out of it. I think f- five years of uh, being sober for five years. I think it's like only two percent of the people stay sober. And so for for me, we're, I'm, I don't even know how long I'm. Not doing it, but I don't know, 15, 12 years, 13 years, I don't know, 13, 14 years. But um, for me, you know, when when I mentioned getting arrested and all that stuff and, and coming, like getting away from that stuff, but I, I continued, I went to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, where I was supposed to go to, high, to college at uh, LSU, but I never went, became a, uh, a trainer and uh, got addicted to Oxycontin. Uh, at the time, I, uh, I often say to people, go, oh, well, how did you, how did that happen? Like, is there something like, is there something that happened to you or you need to fill this hole or whatever? But the truth is I've always been an extreme personality. You know, I've always been somebody who, who, uh, who goes hard on whatever I do. And I had already been taking steroids from a kid from 19, 17 years old. I was taking steroids. So for me, you know, I think that I don't think steroids are a gateway drug, but for, for me it was. So being able to take a needle and stick it in your butt and give yourself testosterone or whatever, when you're 17, it allows you to be willing to do other things. So uh, when you're willing to do other things like that, you know, uh, it led from one thing from that to Nuban, which was a narcotic antagonist. <laughs> I got a question. Yeah. Shooting the needle with putting juice in there is a different, that's a completely different drug. Oh, yeah. Huge difference. Tremendous difference. Yeah. Well, well, how is it? Because thinking about how, how much we put into our bodies to make them look like that. Yeah. All healthiness. Yeah. Was there an was there a crazy itch that almost prevented you from doing the, the heroin too? Because I mean, or is it just did, did that not even? It's just like this part of it. So it was, it was a process, like so part for, of the training bag. Yeah. So so the the heroin is so far away from from steroids. It's, it's very different, like you said. So when you're taking steroids, you're trying to build up, right? That's the idea. It's anabolic to build, basically. So as a teenager and as a young adult, taking steroids was always to to build muscles, right? And while it may not be, it's not healthy necessarily, right? The the idea is that you or trying to build muscle, look better, et cetera, be stronger, be whatever, right? And uh, and while I would not connect that with with heroin, what I would connect is that being able to inject yourself, period. So most people, that's a really foreign thing, right? So yeah. to take a needle, a one-and-a-half-inch needle, and put it in your butt, it's a very, you know, even though it's a normal thing for me, it's like no big deal at all. You know, I'm on testosterone replacement therapy now, so we do, I do a shot every week. It's no big deal. Um, but to... To do that, right, is for most normal people, a regular person, that's a big deal to be able to willing to do that. Especially and, a 17-year-old. And then a 17-year-old, it's a much bigger deal. So being willing to stick that, how much how much harder is it to take one and put it in your vein? It's about the same. Yeah. Right? Not much harder. And so for, for me, after 17 years old, the thing that I took next, which is just kind of like a, a coincidence almost, was there was articles by this guy I really looked up to called Dan, his name is Dan Duchesne, and he's long passed away. He was the, the first real steroid guru. And he talked about in his Dirty Dieting newsletter, which I got for my Hanukkah present when I was 15, um, was, was Nuban. And Nuban was a narcotic antagonist. So women who were pregnant could take it or be given it when they're in pregnancy and they wouldn't hurt the baby. And so Dan said that it was anti-catabolic, so it prevented cortisol release, so it kept you anabolic, right? Cortisol is a, the, the hormone that actually is 
anti-building, uh, anti, uh, it's catabolic, which means the opposite of building, right? Breaking down. And so it prevented the catabolism and allowed you to push past the pain barrier. I was like, wow, that's cool. Uh, and so when I went to Mexico, I got it. And when you get it, it's a bottle and it's injectable. You could do it subcutaneous or you could do it intermuscular or you could do it IV. And eventually I went through all those things and I did it IV. And so for me, I was already past that kind of level. So when Oxycontin came out, when I was in Baton Rouge, everybody's doing it. It's no big deal. I was the first one to crush it up and inject it, to heat it up and inject it. Because I was like, well, you know, everybody else is snorting it or taking it. Uh, obviously, pretty ill-advised in general. But at the time, that was when Oxycontin was not like the thing it is today, right? Everybody's getting it. You get a I could go to the doctor down the street and tell them I have a back pain and they'll give you Oxycontin. They were all getting incentives to, to prescribe this stuff. And so it was very easy to get. And, uh, and I did it. And then before you knew it, when I stopped doing it, I said, I'm not going to do it anymore. I got very physically addicted. And that's the, I think the big difference between, you know, me and other people that have addiction problems. And I'm not just saying me, but there's, I'm sure there's other people like me, but I don't like to generalize because addiction is a serious thing. And if you're addicted, you know, it's a, you kind of fit into, she's like a box, right? You're this thing, right? And so, because there's usually other things going on. It's not just like a physical thing, but for me, I got physically addicted to it. And when I, when I tried to stop, I couldn't carry on my job. I couldn't continue training people. I ended up moving back to New Orleans and was a trainer there, a personal trainer there. Um, and then when Hurricane Katrina happened, we talked about before the show, I went to Houston with my family because there was uh, I was actually the last person in my family to leave New Orleans, Louisiana, because I, uh, I planned to stay. And then when Mira Ray Nagin came on the uh, TV and said, if you stay, you're going to die, I was like, well, shit. That sounds bad. I've been pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. I've been through a lot of hurricanes. Yeah, right. I never heard anybody say you're gonna die before. And I was like, Well, I have a car. He said, If you have a car, get in your car and get the hell out of here. I was like, Oh, okay, well, maybe I should leave. So the day before the hurricane hit, we got in the car. Thankfully I was had enough foresight to get extra gas. So the trip from New Orleans to Houston usually takes four hours on a car. It took me twenty four hours of driving to get because there's so much so many. What was that bridge like? Oh man, it was crazy. Thank God I had gas. So I got the extra I got two ten gallon containers of gas. If I wouldn't have, I would have like everybody else. There's so many people on the side of the road, you know, ran out of gas. Nobody expected that. And uh, and they got hit from the hurricane in the on the bridge, basically on the side of the road. Can you imagine that in your car? That's crazy. Um, so I made it in 24 hours and I avoided the hurricane. When I got there, I didn't have any Oxycontin. I didn't know any doctors. And for the first time, you know, I, in forever, I can remember, I was, I was kind of like shit out of luck. I was like super sick. So the, the thing with Oxycontin or heroin, people, it's hard for most people to get, which is understandable and hopefully they never do get it, is that when you're addicted to it, imagine being as sick as you can imagine from the flu. COVID or whatever, right? Something where you're terribly sick, you can't, but then you could take a drug, you could take something where in three or four moments, you're back to normal. So for $20, one bag of heroin, you go from being so sick that you're shitting your pants, you're covered in sweat, you can't eat, and you're the, the sickest you've ever been. But then for $20, you're instantly back to normal. So it's very difficult mentally to say, okay, I'm going to deal with this for weeks when I could for $20 be back to normal. Uh, very difficult. And so when I was in Houston, that's that's kind of where where I got to, where I had to find something, and I found heroin there. You know, I'm processing all this. <laughs> yeah, because it's man, I've had to go through that after that's surgery. Heavy, buddy. Come off that stuff, and we're bigger guys. Yeah. And I, after laying there, because that's the only way to keep us down, too. Yeah. And just having to. How long were you addicted to that? So uh, heroin, um, I went to Houston in 2005 after Hurricane Katrina, and I got off of it. 
in 2000, towards the end of 2007. So about two years of being addicted to. Did you go cold turkey or did you have methadone ride? So, but yeah, I did. I had methadone, um, but it was a, it's an interesting story. So when when I was on heroin, um, I uh, at the time I was it was a pretty lonely period of the time in my life, and I met a girl on the internet, um, and uh, met this girl, and uh, her name is Jennifer, and I met her, and and she sold cocaine, which is such a weird. We met on the internet. She came out of the house, and uh, I didn't li- I didn't particularly like her, but she had unlimited cocaine. Um, and I was like, oh, that's, that's, that's a plus. And, uh, <laughs> and so I never really did cocaine before. And I certainly never injected it. But when I did, I was like, oh, this is really cool. Uh, which is not, it's not actually not cool. So you, you went straight, you didn't, you didn't, you passed free parking and went straight, yeah, to the, yeah, yeah. straight to the vein. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. By then, by then I was a mess. I was a total mess. So I didn't, I wouldn't consider anything else. You're still a big guy. How much, yeah, how much you weighing? Drugs so, had to eat you yeah, up. Because you never so, like got skinny. So not till a little later. So I, the one thing I can say, like I mentioned to you guys before, is I was consistently into working out. So I was into training on heroin. And uh, when I was on heroin, people were like, whoa, you're like the biggest heroin addict ever. Because I was like 250, 260 on heroin. Um, it's not a play on words you, you either. That's fit, like the real. Like like biggest, literally the biggest. Yeah, <laughs> ever. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was, I was into training. I still went to the gym, even when I was not doing good. My my parents were not the kind of parents that said like you're dead to us. They continued to pay for food for me, like protein powder, peanut butter and jelly. You know, a gym membership, which is, you know, it's it's one of those weird things. When I tell this story, uh, a lot of parents reach out to me and say like, because it's an encouraging story for people who have kids that are on drugs, right? That I was able to be, I was this bad. I was as bad as any parent's kid they can imagine, right? And we haven't really got there yet, but I was really bad. And somehow I'm here talking to you guys, right? So for a lot of parents, they're like, they reach out and say, oh, it's so inspirational. Or they, they want to, they believe, you know, because of my story, their kids are going to be okay, which I think is super cool. And I'm happy about. Um, and they say, well, I want to I, I cut my kids off and tell them like they're dead to me kind of thing. And I always tell the parents, like, don't do that. Like, don't be an enabler. Don't give them money for drugs. Don't give them, you know. But my parents did, in my opinion, the the right thing, which is the bare necessity. But they didn't cut me off. Didn't say, I don't love you anymore. Get the fuck out of here. Because if they would have done that, who knows what would have happened. I had two parents that told me, always told me they loved me. And they provided the absolute bare minimum to survive. You know, they provide me peanut butter and jelly. They provide me a gym membership. They provide me protein powder. And so it gave me, always gave me some hope. And I think that if a lot of parents, when they say like, you're, you're dead, like tough love, like you're not, we don't, we don't love you anymore or whatever they say, right? Get out of the house. Don't call me anymore. If you're already on the edge and you feel hopeless already, that's going to make you be like, well, I'm, that's it. You know, I'm done. I'm done. Um, so my parents gave me the advantage of, of, of giving me the protein powder and all that stuff. So I was always in training. But then when you get on uh, cocaine, injectable cocaine, it's a different story. So cocaine is like an all-encompassing, all-day-long thing. Heroin, I would take it once a day. You know, I wasn't able to afford it all day long. So I'd take it once a day, and then I'd be not sick for the whole day. Um, and then the next day, I'd be thinking about it and try to go get it again. Uh, but with cocaine, especially because she sold it, uh, her boyfriend before me was a, a big-time dealer, and he was, he was killed in a, a violent crime. And when he died, she said, okay, I'm going to continue going and buying the drugs from these guys who are bringing off a boat, right? And so she kept his business going once he passed away. And she was able to, because she was this tiny little white girl, you know, all these gangbangers loved her because they were not threatened by her at all. So when you buy, when you, like if you're a gangbanger in Houston um, and you come and you want to buy five kilos, like it's life and death, you know, somebody could kill you or somebody could take your money, kill you, or, or somebody could rob you of your money and whatever. Right. So this girl was very unassuming and she wasn't doing anything like that. So they, she was like a, uh, a very trusted 
you know, person at the time. And, uh, and so these guys would come, I would leave that. She wanted me to leave so that I wasn't there. Couldn't see me. Cause I'd be, I'd be more intimidating or threatening. Right. Even if I'm just sitting there being quiet, they're gonna be like, who's this guy? So she continued and made a lot of money. So I had an unlimited supply of cocaine. And that was part of the problem, and that's why I lost so much weight. Is I went from like 250, 260 to down to like 180 or so on cocaine, where I didn't work out, I didn't care about myself, I didn't eat or drink. Or I mean, I had times where my, the, the time that I, I I tell about every once in a while is like uh, when I hadn't drank water for like seven or eight days, I hadn't eat food for longer. You know, I started hearing babies crying uh, all the time. Because uh, your body, your mind starts hallucinating. I'm sure you guys had something similar at some point, right? Um, but for me, it was like that was the time where I kept hearing it, where I was like, okay, I got to stop. Like, I got to take a t- go to sleep, drink some water, eat some food, go to sleep. And uh, so at that point, I wasn't bathing. I was like in a mess. I was more of a mess then than than ever. Um, and that was kind of like the that was towards the end of like the time of doing drugs and and being like a mess. Right, right around then. Did you quit cold turkey? So what, what happened was I was with Jennifer, and we had this friend, um, this guy. I don't want to say because his parents, I don't want to say his name, but he was a uh, construction guy doing pretty good in his life. And we, I really liked him. He would come over. He was one of her, like, uh, um, direct-to-consumer customers, right? He wasn't like a, a, a B2B customer, business-to-business. He wasn't like a seller of cocaine or drugs. He was a consumer, right? So he he would come over, Her, him and a few other people. There was a lawyer that kind of comes into my story later and a few other guys that would come that she liked and that we like that I liked that would come over to the house and buy drugs and then hang out or leave or whatever and they were not selling it to other people so this guy came over and he was in construction really cool guy and he was like recreational maybe more than recreational like not like an addict like us uh like me but he was like you know he would do a bunch for he'd buy an eight ball or two he'd do it for a little bit and then he would stop for a week or two or three weeks or whatever Right. And then he'd do it again, do it again. So whenever he'd come over, he'd hang out for a little while and talk to me. And so he came over and we're hanging out and, um, me and her went to the other room. It seemed like for a short period of time, but it's now in retrospect, it must've been longer. And we came back to the room and I was like, Hey man. And he was laying on the couch and didn't wake up. I'm like, Hey man, like, Hey. And he smelled bad. Like he shit himself. Right. And I'm like, Oh, what the fuck? So um, I pushed him. He didn't move. And I waited a little bit. And I told her, hey, come over here. And by that point, he was kind of starting to stiffen up a little bit. And, uh, and I was like, oh, man. Like, this fuck, this guy died. You know? And, and it wasn't just this guy died. He's, I, I thought of him as a friend. And I didn't have a lot of friends at the time. And I told her. And she said, you need to pick him up and move him to his truck and drive him away from here. And I was like, uh-uh. No way. Like, I'm not putting him in his truck and driving away. Like. I've read enough, you know, uh, detective novels to know that it is not the right thing to do. You know, I've seen CSI. Like that's don't you don't uh-huh. pick the you don't pick the motherfucker and put him in the truck. Like drive him away. Everyone knows that. Everyone knows <laughs> that. And I told her I'm not I'm not doing that. That's the wrong thing to do. Like he died on accident. She's like you need to pick him the fuck up and move him the fuck out of here. And I was like I'm not I'm not doing it. I'm not I'm not gonna do I'm not gonna do that. And so it ended up being screaming and she was punching me in the face and it was craziness and there was all this drama. And uh, and for some reason at that very moment, I don't know, because I had other 
dramatic, you know, I've witnessed other crazy stuff doing this that, uh, that, that didn't seem to get me, get to me, but because it was this guy who I, who I really liked and he was my friend and then she's hitting me and the whole thing, it kind of crystallized in my head. Like, like this is, this is where I'm going. Like, this is the future for me. Like this, whether it's the same as this guy or worse or whatever, something bad is going to happen. This is the future. And I, I literally turned away from her as she's hit me, went to the door, literally ran down to my car, got my car, went to my apartment, locked the door. And that was it. Never talked to her again. Never saw her again. She, she came to the apartment later. Uh, it was an accidental death. So, you know, nothing bad happened to her with that. And then, you know, I had, um, at that point I had decided to come off of drugs and, uh, about six weeks or so later, you know, I was in Dillard's and the lawyer that I mentioned earlier, who was a customer, maybe it was a little longer than six weeks, was in there and he was uh, selling shoes at the shoe department. Dillard's. Well, like Al Bundy kind of selling yeah, shoes? Or exactly. Like exactly. Working, like working in there? All right, check. Exactly like Al Bundy selling shoes. And he came up and he's like, Aaron, what are you doing here? And I'm like, hey, man, what, what are you doing here? And he's like, oh, I'm selling shoes. He's like, I got disbarred. And I was like, fuck. That's, that sucks, man. He's like, yeah, I got a DWI with cocaine or whatever, whatever it is. And uh, he's like, I got disbarred. I'm like, oh, man, I'm sorry to hear that. He's a really nice guy also. And he goes, did you hear about uh, Jennifer? I was like, what do you mean? And he said, uh, a few weeks ago, somebody came into her apartment, one of the guys, and beat her to death in the apartment. Took all her cocaine, took all her stuff, and beat her to death. And I was like, holy shit. And so, it's terrible. Yeah, it's, it's in her. She had great. She had, like me. She had nice parents, a nice father, and uh, very terrible. And I would have been there for that if somebody would have been there and broke into the apartment. I would have been there for sure. You know, I, I was living there at the time. And so, not that I needed that to further my um, decision to be off drugs but it certainly didn't hurt you know where i was like man i would have been there and i would have i would have been these guys the, the guys that she was dealing with were not like nice guys obviously and um they wouldn't have let me go or anything that would have been a there have been you know double homicide and uh so that was the uh that was uh by by that point i already decided but it, it cemented it and so i was on methadone at the time methadone was you know uh, a good thing in a way it was a terrible thing in another way. So it was a good thing because when I was doing the cocaine, when I, when I met Jennifer and I was doing cocaine, it provided me uh, the ability not to need to go get heroin every day, not to go to the ghetto. Cause I bought it in the ghetto every day and it was a really bad and crazy situation. So it provided me some leeway uh, to not do that. But on the flip side, I was very physically addicted to methadone and the methadone clinic, those people don't want you to come off of it. It's a business. So I told them, hey, I want to come off methadone. They're like, yeah, probably a bad idea. I'm like, but I don't want to do drugs anymore. And they're like, yeah, but you've been, at that point, I've been on methadone for a little bit of time, but at that point I'd stopped doing drugs. So I had all these positive drug tests. You know, I had all these negative, sorry, negative drug tests, the opposite. And so they're like, you're doing so good now. You haven't had a positive drug test in months. So methadone is helping you. And finally, it's helping you. And I'm like, no, that's not why. I'm like, you know, I just want to stop taking it. And they're like, no, 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 keep taking it. Keep taking it. It's going good. Keep taking it. So they told me the plan was that I'm going to, so I was on 80 milligrams. I said, 16 weeks, you'll go five milligrams a week. In 16 weeks, you'll be off. And I was like, no fucking way. I don't want to be on this for 16 weeks, you know? And, uh, and methadone is also not good. It makes you very sleepy. Your brain is not fully functioning. You know, it's not a good thing to be on. There's all kinds of negative consequences. Better than being on heroin, you're, you have to physically go get it every day and it's a disaster and it's, you know, everything bad, but it still wasn't good. And so what I ended up doing was I qualified to get takeout doses, take home doses, because they don't want people in the clinic. If you're waiting in the clinic every day, there's only a finite amount of people that can be waiting in the clinic. 
And so there's a line of people every morning. They don't want a line. They want as few people as possible so they can get new people. And um, so they end up giving me takeout doses. And eventually I got a month of takeout doses, 30 doses, 80 milligrams. And I'd already started weaning myself off. So that, that 30 days of methadone, I was like, that's it. I'm never going back. And uh, I basically, at that point, decided, like, this is it. So I started weaning off at that point, And I got all the way down to five milligrams and then threw it all away. I dumped it all in the toilet. It was a very big day. Uh, important decision. And uh, I, I figured I went from 80 to five. Um, that's what any other drugs. It should be easy. And uh, it ended up being terrible. Terrible. I was sick for months. But by that point, I decided I'm not going to do it anymore. And, uh, you know, that was kind of, that was the, that was the end of, uh, of the drugs and the beginning of figuring out like, what did I want to do with the rest of my life? How was I going to be successful? And what is my passion? You know, were you with Carl already? at that point? No. Yeah. Uh, well, no, when, when, uh, when I started with Carl Lenore, uh, first I had, I was coming off it when I was on superhuman radio. So okay. almost, so that was she, his first major, I guess, yeah. stepping stone to everything yeah. else, the podcast. Yeah, First so major that was the big thing. So the only thing, I was a trainer again. My trainer is what I've always went back to as a kid, as a young adult, as a young man, to be a personal trainer. I never really liked personal training. I never like to train people. But it's like, you know, that's an easy thing to do. You can make some money and it's reasonable and it's in the field that I liked. And so as after I got off drugs, I became, uh, I went to this wellness clinic in Houston, Houston Memorial Wellness Clinic. And uh, I was doing really good there. I moved up the ranks. I ended up being assistant manager. They said, hey, this is off drugs. They said, you want to be the general manager of the, of the place, $125,000 a year and uh, benefits. And I was like, oh, my God, it was so great. And they looked back at my criminal history. They looked back and they're like, we, I came to the hospital, Memorial, Houston Memorial, and my parents were so proud. It was such a big deal. And they interviewed me and, the, and they did that criminal background. And they go, so you're arrested when you're 18. I'm like, yeah. Yep, but that's a long time ago, whatever. And like, yeah, we can't hire you for hospital staff. I'm like, no, no, I'll just be the general manager of the gym. I'm like, no, can't hire you for that, unfortunately. And I was like, well, okay, I guess I'll just go back to being assistant manager. Like, no, can't go back to assistant manager. And I was like, uh, okay, so what do I do? And they're like, yeah, you're fired. And I was like, huh? And my parents were so worried because they're like, thought this is like the opportunity of a lifetime for me, $125,000 in benefits. So they thought this is the, now I'm going to like fall off the wagon. Um, instead of falling off the wagon, I said, okay, I have enough money, very little money, but enough money saved that I can spend a little bit of time trying to figure out what I want to do. And the only thing I could think of from, from the, from Arnold, right. was bodybuilding and bodybuilding doesn't allow for uh, like a, a tall, skinny Jewish dude to be Mr. Olympia, right? I'm not the next Arnold Schwarzenegger. I knew that. I'm not going to be Ronnie Coleman or Kai Green or whatever. You know, when you're uh, 6'2 plus, it's very limited amount of genetic, you know, genetics that allow you to be a successful bodybuilder. So I looked at bodybuilding and I thought, like, how can I be involved with this thing that I love, but I can't be Mr. Olympia. I can't try to be the best, right, in bodybuilding. And all of the people that I thought of were like, People surrounding bodybuilding, Joe Weider, uh, Ben Weider. Uh, so at the time, you know, um, Peter McGuff was great, who was the editor-in-chief of Flex magazine. Um, all these guys that I looked up to, uh, Steve Blackman, who owned Muscular Development. I was like, well, these guys are cool. And, like, I could do something like that. And, you know, I could be involved in the thing that I love and just not be a competitive bodybuilder. And I went after that full full steam ahead, 100%. I didn't go on dates. I didn't go out to eat. I didn't go to see movies. I didn't do shit. 
all I did was focus on how can I get into this thing that I love. And I put every ounce of effort and time, every moment of time that I had into writing articles for free, sending to Muscle and Fitness, sending to Flex, sending to uh, Muscle Mag, which I ended up working for eventually, uh, sending them to every other thing that I could do. Um, also, the big thing, she mentioned Carl Lenore, who ran a podcast. This is when podcasts were not popular, not like today, right? Wow. Podcasts in 2007 were like barely a thing. And so there was Superhuman Radio ran by Carl Lenore, and uh, I sent emails to all these podcasts. Anyone that I liked, I'd send an email every week. I love the show. I like this. Marcus, I think this was funny. Morgan, this was great. And nobody ever responded. Very, very, very few responded. But the whole point of doing this was to get attention. I posted on all the bodybuilding message boards, all the fitness message boards as Aaron Sangerman. Everybody be like Swole Gun 69, right? I was Aaron Sangerman because I figured maybe somebody will notice. Like, yeah. oh, this guy's got some brains or he's saying something valuable. Maybe they'll like look, look me up and say, hey, I want this guy on my show or this guy to write an article. And, um, and so through Carl Lenore, I wrote him, I was kind of frustrated at the time, and I wrote him a, a bad email instead of a good email. So I was always writing positive things. And he did a, 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 um, a thing about can see eye drops. You put the eye drops in your eyes, and then all of a sudden you, can, you don't need glasses anymore. And I wrote to him, I was like, that's bullshit. I was like, you're a fucking, you're a shell, Carl. It's, it's total bullshit. This shit doesn't work. And he wrote me back, hey man, here's my phone number, call me. Cause he wanted to defend himself right like i'm not a shill like fuck you you know and we ended up talking and and that led to me interviewing him on his show and then ended up creating our own podcast um uh, called off topic radio which is surrounding the weird world of bodybuilding like all the weird stuff the weirdest stuff that was like the howard stern of bodybuilding and uh, it was super successful and it led to one thing that led to another that ended up creating a career for me being the bob costas quote unquote of bodybuilding before i met or right around when i met darielle which was paying all the bills and I was doing something that I loved and was passionate about. Uh, it wasn't enough to provide for a family, but it was something that I, that I loved doing and, and felt uh, very gratified being able to do it, you know? And our, and our family's kind of from zero to 40, no wife, no kids. Like, we're supposed to be married to that life, trying to figure out the man that we're not. Plus, it's hard for them to... I tell them, I was like, you'd have never been married to me back in the day, like, if I was, was doing that. But as soon as we got married, I still pulled her into that world of, like, there's a lot of dying and going around and stuff like that. You were competing as soon as y'all got married y'all started this right yeah. everything shifted oh yeah it's been very fast oh yeah as soon as uh i mean basically as soon as we started dating it's been yeah. an adventure and so when when we got when she got pregnant with asher my oldest who's eight that was kind of the the impetus to go from like subsiding like being okay with what because i was never i never felt like i wasn't okay with with making making you know money enough to pay the bills, right? I always, I felt very lucky to be able to pay the bills doing something I loved, you know? I'm sure like you did, right? Doing a job you love and paying the bills is great. Like, that's the dream. But then once she got pregnant with Asher, uh, I realized, well, this is not gonna pay the bills the way I'd like it to. You know, it's not gonna provide for a, a family. You're not gonna be able to provide the way I want, would like to pay, provide for a family. So uh, that was the, the impetus to yeah, get Yeah, the drive going. wasn't there before. I mean, no. we would go to shows and he would make contacts where he had the opportunity to, you know, move up and do more. And I'd be like, why don't you follow up? And he's like, oh, So that was just, <laughs> it started good. with just writing comments and that just kind of evolved into what it is, right? Podcasts, writing articles. And then, and then, uh, and then I was that, became the editor-in-chief of that site that I mentioned, the RX Muscle site, where I was the, the, the main guy at the, at the site. And uh, making good money at that point in time, but not uh, 
that was actually before no we when we met i wasn't even doing that i was i was, no, I was just a contributor yeah uh, but i ended up becoming the editor-in-chief and then i represented yeah, like a lot a year, of yeah, about year a year after, after. yeah yeah and, and where we live in and well, we moved we moved from from i moved from new orleans to houston and after hurricane katrina i went from houston to to her and Tam- with her in tampa yeah after and a then, couple months dating then when we got pregnant at like i think at like six months six seven months i realized I don't, we don't have anyone around us. Like, Nobody you know, there was no family. There was just, and, you know, Boca's only four hours south. So it was kind of like, maybe we should just go back to where, you know. And I love Boca. I have family. I love Boca. It's beautiful, so, right? It's beautiful also because, so growing up in New Orleans, I didn't, I wasn't around any, anybody, I wasn't around any money. You know, I didn't grow up with money. I didn't, I wasn't seeing anybody with money. I, I just felt like it was a very foreign thing. And you go to Boca and there's so much wealth in such a small area. And when we first we went. It. <laughs> Yeah. I hate it. She hates it. But when I, I went it. when I went there, I was like, wow, there's all these people doing so good. And then once I met the people, I was like, well, shit, these people aren't any specialer than me. They're not there's nothing like great about these guys or girls, whatever. You know, I meet these these businessmen, you know, and I'd be like, Well shit, this guy doesn't seem super smart. I, I can do this. If he can do it, I could do it. And so it was a, a progressive nature where I would meet person, person, person. And I'd be like, well, damn, I could probably do what he's doing. I could probably do what he's doing. And so for me, it opened up my horizons, opened up my possibilities. And I thought like, well, if all these people are creating all this success, why can't it be me? Like I can do it. And, uh, and it gave me the, the ability to think past where, where I was growing up and realize like, if there are these people that are creating millions or billions, whatever, then why can't I do that too? I, I, I should be able to, I believe I can and why not? And uh, growing up, where I grew up in New Orleans, th- th- there was nobody doing anything like that. You know, it wasn't it wasn't a thing. Like I had a, a picture of a Lamborghini on my wall growing up, uh, uh, a Countach on my wall growing up. But I never thought I'd own one. I never even aspired to own one. I didn't think that's even possible. I didn't yeah. know anybody that had one. I never saw one in real life. Why would I, why would I think I'd get one? Uh, it would have been unreasonable to think I'd ever have one, right? Um, but going to Boca the first time with her, meet her parents and stuff, I was like, well, shit. There's a lot of people out here that's got these type of things, right? Why can't it be me? And then meeting them was uh, was even even better, where it was like, well, if they all these people do have it, I can have it, right? I can do it. It was a big deal. And it does. Most people don't realize how fast it grows, and all it, t- it starts with the work ethic. Because if you can lift, if you can do this job, like if you can take your ass in the gym and, and put an, an added pressure on your body to stay in in, in some semblance of shape, that in itself creates a, a wealth inside of you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. it's definitely so, a mindset. That's it, right? Yeah, yeah. That's it. It's just yeah. a mindset. Yeah. I think for me, one of the big things I identify with Naval Special Warfare, all the team guys that I know, is that same mindset is uh, is very unique in the world. I mean, not not with you guys, but unique in the world where, like, the, the belief in yourself, the ability to go all in, right, that something, that, that drive is very unique. And so even though I obviously never did any of that stuff, and, and I don't know if I even could at, at that point in my life, I don't think I could, uh, at this point, that mindset and those those characteristics mentally are very uh, similar to the things that I think about myself and the beliefs I have, because it takes a special person to push past the point where people want to stop. Would you and say all successful people probably work out in some form or fashion? I think so. I think it's a very extremely common. Common, right? Very Especially common. with our generation now. Very I mean, yeah. we kind of, I, I tell everybody we're hybrids, man. We're a little bit of the old, a little bit of the new. That whole... Working fad from taking Mr. Olympia where it was, yeah, uh, like with Sergio, like oh, back yeah. in the day, yeah, yeah, like yeah. then uh, to what it is now, mm-hmm. and where the fitness. I mean, you can't even. It's unbelievable. Oh yeah, no, it's unbelievable. Fitness in, in general. I mean, all the different branches of oh, fitness yeah. and 
it's grown. It's grown so tremendously. The, the the industry has grown and continues to grow. Where you know when I was a kid playing uh, sports, we talked about they did not they discouraged you into working out. They tell you don't don't sure, lift weights. Yeah, right. I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. They'd be like, don't. When I was a kid, they would tell tell me, don't. There's, it's going to make you less flexible. It's going to make you less a better, worse athlete. Look who takes it too. Back in the day, it would be the football player, like protein shakes. Man, if you could just muscle that thing down. Yeah. <laughs> Remember yeah. those? Back oh, yeah. in the day, man, it was just getting that sucker down. Oh, yeah. Was, was, a, was working out in itself. Now, the, the nitro guys, the drivers, motorcycle guys, I oh, mean, yeah. even bowling guys, it doesn't oh, matter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everyone takes, takes that supplement stuff, the stores and how it's blossomed out. And just the overall feat of human performance is mm-hmm. unbelievable. Oh, like, I watch the millennials, the younger generation. Those dude perfect shows where they can just what they're capable of their hand eye coordination is oh, yeah. is, is I can't even wait to see what they grow into. Look what we did. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's crazy that, that how it's uh, evolved from from back then to now where everybody's doing it, everybody's into training, everybody's taking supplements. All these different athletes and non athletes are now into this the fitness stuff where it's part of the the whole the whole deal. I mean, everybody is interested and, and involved. Well, in now the market's grown. and also with social media now, it's like everyone has a platform. So it's like before you had to be a very select person to be in a magazine, or I mean, that was really it. Yeah. Like to be in a magazine now. Anyone can get into it, and they're you know they're they're a teacher. That's a great that's a great point. You know, I guess it's because it switched back in the day. You used to, we had to bust our ass to go get the sponsorship, even if you oh, didn't yeah. use mm-hmm. their stuff. Yeah. And yeah. now you become a supreme athlete, and then people are like, "What are you taking? What do yeah. you use to get that done?" Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it kind of uh, re- revert. I bet that was tough to be in the business when stuff when something like that monumental happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When the but when books were still written on paper back in the day, yeah. and that that shifted to the ebook, yeah. right? Right. Yeah. When you were in buds, that were guys taking, uh, were they already into taking the supplements and yeah, stuff? Yeah, it was mag, mag ten, mag, uh, mag sulfate. Then you had um, used to be ephedrine was awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's the stuff today. The old school. Oh, stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah. it should it should yeah. be awesome today. They they just got rid of it. For I know, reason. I yeah. did. Yeah, it was it's safe. It's the, the, safe. Some of the died. stuff we got that they would give us, you could feel it, and, that, and that's how I know. Like in the supplement business, man, if there, if there's something that's really good. Everyone's on it. Yeah. You can just mm-hmm. you can feel it, and then they went through those ups and downs. They take some of that stuff, make your heart race real, real, real hardcore. But one of our teammates opened up a supplement store down the road. We all flooded into it. There was just one on the island. So, and then what, what he was kind of saying and was coming in there, we're like, all right, this is what we should take. On Coronado Island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, what was it? Was it Celtech? Oh yeah, Celtech from that. Remember that? Yeah, for yeah. Muscle Tech, yeah. M- muscle yeah. Tech, right? Yeah. And you had the uh, creatine with sugar. The like creatine, yeah. man. Yeah. We would tear through that stuff. And then if, if I doubt if you're going into the desert, it dehydrates you. And then there, you could tell guys that were that were supplementing everything. Yeah, sure, absolutely. It's part of our. You have to. You beat the body up so much, and we're like you. Y'all are the human the pinnacle pinnacle of it. Human performance. What you mold yourselves into, and then like operationally. We go and see what you can do with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you look at everyone who's worked out, like in y'all's profession and ours, they follow each other pretty much. Like he, y'all would show us what that, what it's supposed to look like, and then we would go out and road test it. If you're yeah. too big, like I said, some guys couldn't even 
You couldn't even crimp wires together. I'm like, man, how are you going to get rid of an explosive? You can't even touch your hands together. It's freaking crazy. But yeah, well, it looked cool, the, though. The, the, <laughs> so is there like an ideal? That. Like, the, did you guys like find like the perfect um, like muscle to... We did. Absolutely. That was always critiquing. We were, man, every, every deployment. Because when you get out there, you can always tell guys who have been on deployment, who've been off deployment, who are getting ready for one, who are in a cycle, you know, uh, doing all their work, work up and everything like that. Because of just the way they look. When we come out of buds, usually the only thing that's different is our weight. Usually, mm-hmm. and that's from, probably from like 180 to 200 to 10. Yeah, that, there's no really big guys coming out of buds, right? No, so, not, not at all. The height might be a little bit off. Then when you get in, it's like, what are you, a 60-gunner? Boom, you're going to be beefed. When I, I came in out of high school... Or when I came out of high school, I was five six, 154 pounds. I grew another inch and a half when I was 23 in buds. Wow. And I was 170 pounds, six foot two, going into the SEAL teams. I came back six five, 280 pounds. <laughs> I literally told them, I was like, hey, if you got something that can make me grow nine feet, turn to the Hulk, I'll do it. I was one of them guys. I have a wife. You know, we, yeah. Mojo is my only family. I got the Jason Bourne, Mission Impossible dudes. <laughs> if we created something like that, we were the guys who wanted to go, go through it. So much fun, yeah. To see what you could push yourself. I mean, how long oh, yeah. what they would do to us. Oh yeah. And and uh, it's funny because I'd be laying in the hospital. I almost get killed or or, or do something. Something would go off the chart, and the doc would come in. He'd be like, well, "Trail." He's like, "I'm looking at these freaking numbers. This is a catastrophic. This is astronomical. This isn't even written on the on the, on the chart." And I'd be like, yes, new standard. <laughs> right? I mean, because we pushed the human condition. Oh, yeah. At that age especially. At that age yeah. especially. There's got to be a, those of us that do that. Yeah. People down here get sick, people who don't ever get sick. Yeah. And we're all different, right? Of course, yeah. And uh, to, to, to be around something, when you, when you love something, when you find somebody who loves it too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As much as you do and pushes it in that direction, man. That's my favorite part, man, is getting to know, uh, getting to know y'all. When, when, you, when you met, y'all, you didn't have anything. And you were just like, no, she, she made more money than me. She was the provider. <laughs> she I married a powerful woman too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She, uh, she, she had uh, a bunch of jobs and I had, uh, I was, like I said, the Bob Costas, right. And I was going around and, uh, and she was making more money than me. Uh, and it was, uh, you know, that was pre pre pregnancy and everything. And it was, it was uh, pretty good, right? Yeah. No, we were just like two kids or I was more of a kid. Anyway. Yeah. She was 26, I was 31. No, so. I was 24. 24, 24, 24. I was 31. Jeez. Yeah, like right out of college. Yeah, jeez. <laughs> Messed that one up. Yeah. Um, Engrave it on your watch. Yeah, 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 I'm telling you. Yeah. Same with yeah, the anniversary was, um, dates. Yeah, and I, was I have just, it on my ring. Do you? Smart. Yeah, but, yeah, she got it to where I have to wear it on my finger. Smart, so you know, okay. What? Yeah. The anniversary. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we just had ours. Yeah, nine what? years. Nine two, years married, 10 years together. Ago? Congratulations. We just hit our Thank tenure. You. Oh, that's oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, man, it's something. We we uh every year every every day's an adventure for sure. Yeah. yeah. We work together. I mean, she's kind of like you said, the boss. Like she's protection and enforcement. Like we need to come in and drop the <laughs> hammer, boom. But other than that, she kind of sets the standard. Well, she's been the one texting me the whole time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bro, I don't even carry my phone. <laughs> yeah. Good for you. I, I, I rarely have an email. It drives some people crazy. I'm like, man, if it's important enough, you'll be sitting here in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> Moreover, I think social media should probably be deleted like once at the end of every day or at least at the end of the week because people get upset. They'll, man, they'll look up something six months ago and get upset about it. Oh, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Whoa, man, you know, that person could be dead for oh, all yeah. you know. Or, yeah. or it's kind of like, yeah, you, we got today with each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, just today.
social media is one of those things. It's 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 like in a way for 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 Redcon one right. It's very positive because it's it encourages people to buy the products and it's good for for good for business right. But another way it, it's it is very distracting and it can of course make you not focus on what's going on right here in front of you. You're just thinking about what's happening on your phone right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but. For business, on the business part, it's like uh, one of the reasons, one of the portions why Redcon One is successful is just having the the ability to reach so many people mm. easily, right? No, yeah, sure. I mean, digital marketing now is just, I yeah, mean, it's huge. insane the difference it makes in business when it's done right. We were talking to some of the guys the other day, and I was like, man, the, the, the internet is about, what, 17 years old? Yeah, not much longer than that, no. Right? Yeah. Well, so I, mean, I was like, look at me, like, if, if, what do we do at 17 years old? Oh, we like, look at naked things, drink a lot. So yeah. that, that's what you see on the internet, right? Yeah. It's like yeah. it's, it's growing. It's growing. Yeah. yeah. And it's in that 17, that early 20-year-old age. And yeah. you know, everyone's upset and kind of like just like at the, that age. That's kind of what happens. Well, it's a mess right now, that's for sure. Right? It's a, yeah, yeah. It's a place for misbehavior. And I'm, and, sure. I don't know. I don't, I'm nervous also just for kids. I mean... I'm, we can handle it as adults, but having a bunch of little kids it definitely makes you worried about. I mean, think if you would have had a video camera in your pocket at all times. When oh, you're, bro, when we, talk, we talk about that. Oh my god! Like with us, exactly. there's way they, they didn't give us a cell phone age. We were no. before that. Well, me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah How old are you, Marcus? Forty-five. Forty-five. So that age group, right? I can't even imagine if we would have had a camera uh -huh. on us all the time, and you could make every all your friends see it. Right. You didn't even the dudes that had it, we wound up breaking them. You know, this stuff didn't, wouldn't, that's why I like to say we're old school and new. We're yeah. hybrids. Yeah. Like, we can understand that part. And it's a uh, scary part for kids. It is. To get, have a little kid, the ability to, you know, text a video to their buddy of whatever they're doing oh, could yeah. be bad. It could be really bad. Well, put something them, online that, yeah, put you something know, online that changes your life. Regret yeah, yeah. later. Oh. <laughs> they got way too much information out of life experience. Yeah. Way too why, much. Yeah. It's all, all that information's there. Yeah. No. In that phone, you could play God with it back in our time. You tell, oh, yeah. Think tells the future. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, he, Asher asked me, I forgot what he asked me our yesterday. Son, yeah. yeah, or who's eight. Eight years old now? He's yeah. eight. And he asked me a question about some, and I'm very open about almost anything except certain topics that he needs to be more mature to hear about. But he asked me something, and I said I wasn't going to, you know, I wasn't going to tell him right now. And Usually he's in, he just said he was going to go look it up. I'm like, yeah. okay. He'll do, I, I they'll do, what it was. They'll do like, they'll do serious, like, uh, like the voice note and they'll press the voice note and be like, what is, hopefully they don't say what is sex or whatever, but what is, what is, what is whatever, right? What is, uh, when was the first man, when did the first man go to the moon? And they'll, they'll, now they'll watch a YouTube video on it. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is crazy. Like imagine, imagine I mean, on one hand, it's like time. they're getting educated. I mean, yeah. he was, Asher was watching videos on World War II, wasn't he? Yeah, a lot. I a mean, lot of videos on World War II. A lot. So it was cool because he knew things that, yeah, you know, he, at eight. He, he, uh, but... We're talking about uh, Hiroshima, right? And I, I said, what was the bomb called? We dropped it. He goes, little, little boy. And I was like, what other one? He's like, fat man. I'm like. Damn, this is like eight-year-old kid. That he is great, though, right? Yeah. That's unbelievable yeah. that he knew the names. I was there, like, whoa. There, that's the cool part of, the, I will say, the internet and YouTube with, with them. Because mm -hmm. you can watch multiple videos, like multiple teachers. Like, oh, yeah. You watch one, you can tell when they get disinterested, they'll kind of turn oh, their yeah. head and be like, one, like, it's good. Yeah. Right. And at that yeah. age, they're soaking everything up. So it's like a sponge. It's, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so. We have the same ages scary, running around here. So. Yeah. And they bring levity. I mean, I oh, think yeah. at that age, when they turn around and say some stuff, it's just kind of like, what, what? How'd you even know that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they have to be smarter than we oh, yeah. when, when we were oh, eight. Yeah. And how many, how many do you have total? Three little boys. Three. Yeah. Oh, okay. that's, well, that's yeah. awesome. Eight, five, and three. Yeah. How about you? Okay, so the oldest one, he's 22. Oh. He just graduated from LSU. 
That's and awesome. then I have a 10 and an eight year old. The oldest one is um, an, uh, the daughter, the only one. So Melanie, I married the eldest daughter. She has five sisters. Her wow. youngest sister is the same age as my youngest daughter, which is eight years old. Wow. So, like a bush. Wow. It's the, man, they're Cajuns. They're from Louisiana. I know y'all are related. All y'all yeah, are. Probably yeah. in some, some which way. Yeah. Dude, have y'all gotten on that 23 and me and done that whole thing yet? <laughs> I have. I have done that. Bro, it's hilarious yeah. what you find back in the back. And yeah. what I know about all the Louisiana, and y'all are all related. <laughs> that's, that's it's very just, possible. That's just the way it is. She giggles about that all the time. We were, we were just there in Cottonport. Is that where she's from, Cottonport? Yeah, yeah. I went to go that's see funny. the grandparents. Oh, that's funny. But um, how long? Have, so y'all got married. Y'all been married ten years. How long has the company y'all started right when y'all met? Right. So what? So I had a different company when we met uh, that that I ended up leaving. And uh, no, not when we met. No, like, when we met, we had no company. Yeah. yeah once it we was when Asher was when born. Asher was born, I started my first supplement company, and that company, uh, Blackstone Labs, ended up becoming uh, the. The 20, uh, 27th, 27th fastest growing company, the Inc. 500. And we had a partnership dispute, me and my best friend at the time, big explosion. And we ended up uh, breaking up, basically, is the best way to put it. We're, so, to go to go, what advice would you give? Do you go to work with your best friend? No, no, no. So, my, no, my, advice, my advice would be this is that make sure if you're going to get a partner, right, in any business, that the person provides value and they do something very different than you and that you have very distinctly different roles. So like if Marcus is the art guy and I'm the operations guy, we do that. And you don't ever cross paths where it's like we're don't both cross the streams. The yeah. No, you don't ever cross the streams. That's right. Total no, protonic. No. Yeah, it's very bad. Very Explosion, bad. right? So um, you have to have distinctly different roles. And so for me, that when people ask me about business partners, do you want to get taken money from somebody? You always have to say, like, what does that person want? What's their goals? And are their goals objectives the same as yours? And are, your, are you going to be able to work together you know, because you're doing very different things. If you're if you're doing similar things or you have similar ambitions, you probably won't be able to. So for me and him, we had he fancied himself this guy, and I thought I was this guy, and we ran into each other after a period of time. Also, you know, one thing that I've seen is that when you are successful, not me, I, at least I don't think so, but a lot of people start to think they're very important. Yeah. And so this this guy started thinking he was a very important person. And I felt like we're the same best friends as we were 10 years ago. Why, you know, not an important guy. I'm not an important guy. We're together. And, uh, and because he felt so self-important, anything could be looked at as, as, uh, as like an insult or as a, you know. Yeah. So that's the thing. That's so also hard, was huh? all ego. Very, that's hard, yeah. Ego, right? Yeah. And Huge he wasn't ego, actually yeah. doing much behind the scenes. Yeah. So everything but, was like. But ultimately, we yeah. ended up splitting up and, and I ended up leaving the company, which was extremely dramatic, dramatic and, and. You know, it could have been traumatic, um, but what I ended up doing was taking a day to be like sad, and then realizing like, hey, I did all this, I can do it again better. I have all of the, the the recipe for success. Oh, uh, yeah, right. Uh, and I can take all the things that I did that were successful, and I can bring them with me, and take all the things that I wish I wouldn't have done, like the things that didn't work, and and not do them again. I always compare it to like if you could go back to high school now, you get all the chicks, you do everything yeah, right. right, you'd say the right things to everybody, sure. you'd be the. So you could, I had the opportunity to go back and do that. So five years ago, we started Redcon One, and I did all those things, and I was really honest about the successes, and also really honest about the mistakes, and I was able to create something really unique, you know. So yeah, it really literally only takes one generation. Yeah, like you break through it, and you kind of get those patterns and, and yeah. setting it down. It doesn't matter how many times you go back out and start yeah. over. It's like. Hey, what do you want to do? Yeah, it's what true. do you want to do next? It's we're like very we have lucky. Everywhere to go, nowhere to be. Mm -hmm. To to be in a, born in America, you're a very lucky person, right? You can't do that anywhere else. Yeah. I, I I understand people think you can compl we complain about anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
you're born here, you're you're good to go because you can just get up very hard lucky. hard work. You're yeah. very lucky. You have opportunity yeah. here where it's not. I mean, you grew up like in India or something. You, you're born washing the ground. You know, washing the being a cleaner of the airport. You're growing up and you're going to be that. Yeah, There's the no yeah the, yeah, yeah, the caste system where you're not yes. able to you're not able to move up right. And yeah. so in America, it's all about hard work. You can be whoever you. Uh, yeah, if you're born real good at it, someone wants you to do it for them. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So it's we're we're very fortunate to be able to do that. And so Redcon One is is taken off as a result result of uh, experience and, and hard work. You know, mm-hmm. um, what do you got coming up? Um, well, what do we got coming up? Um, I mean, mm, the the we big, just opened the gym. The biggest so. thing is so for out of uh, passion. Like our, yeah, our listeners, man, we're, we're gonna go yeah, yeah, yeah. you all all over the oh, place. Oh, I appreciate right? it. I appreciate it. Yeah. So the gyms, we have a gym in Boca Raton, and then a gym in Nashville. We just opened. Uh, and that's for for fun, basically. But it's taken off so much that there's probably going to be more gyms in the future and franchising the gyms. You know, uh, all right, I got a question, okay. just real fast. Yeah, like when you when you get really successful, like yeah. when you when you marry and you and you grow something up. Yeah. So there's a, there's an idea of what you think success is, and when you hit it, then you can just keep going. You can always have another gym, right? You can oh yeah, sure. Have, you can always have enough money to where it doesn't. We don't worry about the money, right? And then you can get more money to where money becomes a problem. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Well, it, definitely to some degree, there's more money, more problems, right? But, yeah. Thank. Yeah, there's, I didn't think about it, but yeah, yeah. that's why he probably saying that for us. Yeah. But um, thank you, probably. But it it is to the what, what drives that when you bring people in around you, mm-hmm. you consume that, right? Because as anybody in our line of work, when you take care of your body, it's it, it doesn't it, it almost is a perfection thing. Because you can titrate, like, oh, I got to be big, and it's the summertime, I got to lose weight, and this, right, that, and the right. other. And then the same way with business. You, when you tackle it like that, it's like, man, we, we, we have the good days and the bad days. And like, if we have to start over, we can. Yeah. But there's always the one more rep. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. One, more, one more set. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Chasing the next. It's, when does that happen? When does that take you to where it, it, it becomes counterproductive? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, <laughs> Where we uh, so for, for you me, don't sound yeah. like when yeah, you burn yeah. out and oh, you yeah. don't even yeah. enjoy it anymore you're kind of like man this is just oh yeah so so for me you know the 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 journey is the most important part so i i enjoy the journey i enjoy the the getting to the next level and so i i probably have a problem with celebrating like feeling like celebratory and, and getting excited about getting there it's more of get the process of getting there that's exciting so when i hit a goal yeah, I've had people that are around us that whether it's a, a revenue goal or something big that happens, event kind of thing, people go, "Well, you're not, you're not, you're not celebrating." And so for me, it's not about the hitting the number or the that that goal. It's about the journey there. And so once I hit it, I just think to myself, "Well, what's the next one?" Right? And and part of that is great because it pushes me to get to the next thing over and over and over again. Part of it is not so good because you don't sit back and enjoy the success. You don't revel in your your success. Is that where you come in? She doesn't. Um. Have, I mean, are, I guess I, I try to bring him back worse? down. <laughs> no, I mean, no. I, I probably try to bring him back down. I don't know. I mean, what do you? What I think you so. For her, for her, for her, where we are now, I think that the 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 truth is that she's she doesn't need that that success, right? So something inside of me, that probably the same part of me that was the drug addict that always look, was looking for the next heroin, is the same part of me that says, okay, we've achieved this number, right? We've achieved this goal, and, and now what's the next one, right? Keep going for the next one. For her, she doesn't have that inside of her. What She is more of the person to be happy where you're at and be satisfied where I don't seem to have that. Because that's not a thing in bodybuilding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's not like, I like the way I look, then I'm on maintenance PT no. for the rest of my life. Yeah. No, right. there's not. There's not, right? No, there's not. Because someone will always walk in and be like, 
Well, yeah. how, did, how did you? If I need to work on that, yeah. right? Oh yeah. You can never say never you're perfect. You always... Exactly. So I mean, mm-hmm. it's kind of one where you get in to, to maintain the. And I'm only asking that for guidance too. You yeah. Know, is, is to how do you, the sustainability to keep, you know, enough going to where you're rotating good people in and you're, and you're building something. It grows itself, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you don't grow it so fast where it, it consumes itself. Well, I think that's the key, too. Like you said, like the people, I think the people we have around us, the team. I mean, we've had a lot of people come and go. We've learned what kind of people we want around us, what kind of people are going to be toxic or destructive. And it's not worth, you know, trying to hold on to those relationships. And so I think building the team, I mean, our team right now for Redcon is just incredible. And it's not anything that we had in our previous company. And that really all fell on Aaron. Like if, you know if he wasn't there, if, you know, then things would just not run the way they should. And so there was a lot of mental stress, you know, to make sure the the business was going in a right in in the direction or at least maintaining, you know, without him there. So right now, I mean, we just, I mean, I think the people you have surrounding. Yeah. Look, this is a, this is a a Monday and I'm here with you talking and normally on a Monday, a few years ago, I would have been very, very anxious and, and been like looking at my phone or, or, or not even came because mm. it's a Monday and Monday is important, right? For, yeah. for us, Monday's the start of the week and is, is the number one most busy day for me. But I have such a good team of people back at the office, a few hundred people working now uh, for, for me and they're all really different Some levels of very competent. Yeah. yeah. And so I can leave and I can take a break and-, and Feels good to have a yeah. team like that, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, it's very, it's, it's still a little weird for me. It, it feels good, but it's also a little weird where I'm it's, like- That never goes away though, right? No. Like, not hey, for me I, anyway. I, yeah, right. I don't not think it can. Because that, yeah. that, that's the, the appetite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fear turns to, to fuel, anxiousness. Yeah. Yeah, well, wondering like what's going on back there definitely doesn't end. Where people will, you know, Ryan or somebody will call me and update me on what happened today because they know like I'm, I'm wondering like right now where we at. You know what happened? Did I miss anything? Which, by the way, thank you for coming out here. Oh, of course, of course, our pleasure. Thank you for yeah, thank you for having us. It was it's been great. We're very excited about uh, coming out here and hanging out and everything. Talking on the podcast. I'm always curious as to because the one one thing I get to travel so much is the people I get to meet. And I when we hang out with the guys and guys that we grew up with, kind of the like minded ones, yeah. when you we're all successful, like, man, we're the ones that weren't supposed to be successful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At yeah. all. Yeah. yeah, we weren't, right? <laughs> I mean that's just <laughs> I, I think back sometimes when we go to the back to our high school and sitting around like, man, y'all was trying to get rid of us, more or less. It's like <laughs> a couple of them lasted and made us into something then we married you know you get to meet somebody it's yeah. like almost like we had to go through that just to earn that right yeah mm-hmm. yeah and a lot of the guys like your your you guys that you worked with team guys it's funny how like you guys all have this skill set right there's this skill set built not only is there a genetic component and not only is there a, a willingness and a, a not quit attitude right but there's also this skill set that you build being in the teams. It's interesting how there's so many of those guys that have this skill set but aren't able to translate that into real life after after the fact. Sure. You know? The way I had to do it in my head and, and kind of when I tell the guys, it took me a while. And a matter of fact, I was watching a mo- another movie, The um, Pacifier with Vin Diesel. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, you know what, man? If I When I got out of the teams and they transitioned me over and I was like, oh, I'm not a team guy anymore. I'm going to be a husband and a father. That, that, that felt different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, wait a minute. If I'm not out of the military, my job, my assignment is to marry this hot lady right here and have kids <laughs> and like raise them. That's your assignment. Yeah. I would team guy that to no end. <laughs> it wouldn't even, wouldn't even be an issue. I mean, like, that would be great. No one trying to kill you. Yeah. Right. You get to be in, and then you want me to run this company. So that's a cool way to look at it. Yeah. That's the only way. <laughs> yeah. Right. You yeah. never, we never get done. 
Yeah. It's ne- you're never a- out of the cycle. So in the beginning of life, we're in the schoolhouse, so that's what we can look out for you. You know, the shorties, man, they get hurt easy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you keep growing in the field experiment, and then t- your teammates. Like, it's badass when you and I work together, what well, we can get done. But man, when they throw the opposite in there, because well, they, they cover down on stuff we can't see coming. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that we can't even begin to see. And when team guys take one guy from every walk of life in the United States and put him into one fraternity, that's what you got. Yeah. Like, our mm-hmm. genetics are different, right? And so they, bear, they, they boil it down to, like, what if you take all that apart, what has to happen? It's like, hey, man, if you take everything away from us, we're still buddies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure off if, if we're standing there butt ass naked, we could get some stuff. We'll, we'll get it done. We'll get back on track and go. <laughs> yeah. And those 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 guys are just you just they just show up. Yeah. And yeah. the show up guys. Yeah. You know, they just kept coming back in, man. And you that's more of a lesson what what y'all go through, what you've taught, than going into the manuals and Ivy League schools and reading the oh, books yeah, and stuff yeah. like that because mm-hmm. you can sit there and tell them, yep. and then they look at you, they can right. see it. Yeah. I still learn like that. Yeah. I feel like a lot of the successful people you hear, like when they were younger, they were, you know, the wild, wild card. Or they, you know, were had ADD or, you know, they were, you know, they were the free thinkers kind of doing their, their own thing. So I feel yeah. like as an adult, that translates into something. I didn't know what to do with something, this. But, yeah. It's like, that's the Xavier school's for. Man, yeah. we don't have to send your ass out <laughs> yeah. to the middle of to find yeah. something yeah. special about them. It has to be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> figure it out. Figure, we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. As the kids get older, like there's the kids who are good at school and this and the other, but then man, there's kids, kids that aren't good at one thing, but they're real good at something else. It shouldn't hold them back, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean at all. Yeah, especially with everything that we have in this country and the ability and what we've created, there there should be a spot for them. Yeah, no, I agree. It all yeah. starts with them now. Yeah, no doubt about it. Like I said, if we are, we are. I can't imagine what they're going. That's gonna be fun. Oh yeah, <laughs> I got a question. So, it's not often you get second chances, and you it seems like you had multiple, right? Yeah, from addiction to getting fired from what potentially could have been a dream job mm-hmm. to us, to your first company not working out due to partnership situations, but then to continue to pursue the new company and have the success you've had. What, what's your advice? Like, wh- how did you approach that situation differently? So the thing that I've learned in, in, in my life is that uh, I truly believe that, that things do happen for a reason. And I do believe that people um, focus too often on the negative, you know? So everybody says like one door opens and another door closes or door closes and another door opens, right? I think too many people stand there and look at the door that closed and feel sad about that versus looking for the, the next open door, right? And I think that happens really often in people's life. And if they were to stop and look for the new opportunity, so like you mentioned the, the, the company that I left, right? The, the, the partnership dispute, it would have been really easy for me, for me to feel for, sorry for myself and uh, you know, drink too much and be too, you know, be upset and obsessed with the the thing that I lost. But instead, I I looked at the the future and said, well, I learned all these things, and I have the tool set, the the tools to create bigger and better success. And so, you know, I, I spent a day being sad, literally one day, and then I focused on the new opportunity that was in front of me. And because I did that, I we were able to create Redcon One. Um, but that's happened over and over again in my life, where there's bad things that happened. Bad things happen to everybody, right? It's, yeah. it's inevitable. There's going to be bad things that happen to you. Do you want to look at those bad things and say, "Oh, I'm so sorry for myself. I'm screwed up. I'm, you know." Uh, we talked about Kai Green uh, in the beginning of the show. Kai Green grew up with no parents. You know, he had a, a drug addict mom. He had a father that wasn't there. He grew up in a in a, uh, a group home, but he achieved his wildest dreams. 
because he didn't say, oh, what was me? I had this bad childhood and my mom wasn't there. My dad, you know, instead he focused on what did he want to do? And he put all his efforts towards that. And he created his his dream, right? He was able to, to manifest it. I think just too many people out there are too upset about the things they don't have or the opportunities they didn't get. And they're not looking for the next big thing that's right in front of them. I think there's like there there's two different mindsets like going back to mindset in the gym there's you can either have a victim mentality or you can take control of your own life and you know choose what direction you want to go in that's I think the best that's, thing about the yeah. you know I think that's that's the probably the common theme for you know whether you know you're in the gym you're in buds wherever you are you know you're not you're not victimizing your mind you're taking control of what you're doing What's the thing about being in the gym? The setback. First thing you go in there, the first one you have to live is that five pounder. No. Yeah. It's still in there when you walk in. Even though when you got to, when you can lift the big ones, you walk uh -huh. right past them, right? But we, yeah. or we go back and warm up with them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like a reminder yeah. where you come from. Yeah. yeah. It's true. But you don't have to go visit it every damn time. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, if you're too if you're stuck on that five pounder, you're never gonna get there, right? Yeah. I was like, when you go into the stadiums and the fields and the arenas, they're alive. Mm-hmm. So when you walk in there into that gym, man, all that steel is like iron hardens iron. Yeah. That's why you can tell them dudes who are in there, they're made of iron. Like we have that in our body. Yeah. You tap it enough, it makes you, you look like you got bumps on you. And <laughs> right? you can tell who doesn't belong in there. Yeah. Right? Or who hadn't been in there enough. Yeah. Right. And that's anywhere and everywhere you go through life, you, see, you, you can tell. Yeah. The way they dress, I mean, the way they carry themselves. And the teams, that was the biggest thing is they taught us how to just study people. Yeah. Watch how they react. But the man, the, the the lightest weight, which you that you think is the greatest obstacle, man, is actually just a stone you get put in place to step on it to kind yeah. of go up with it. And then nothing teaches you that better than going into the gym, yeah, mm -hmm. or falling down, yeah. Because you got to do a push up. You do that the first time when you're born. Right. Pull over as a baby. Yeah. Boom. Right. That's, That's true. Something, man. Thank you for coming out here and oh, of course. talking to us, man. Really. Our pleasure. Thank Sorry, brother, I had to bail on you. That's okay. I understand. <laughs> I know he's got an Jerk. event. <laughs> nice. Freaking politicians, man. Yeah, Politician. political animal. Yeah, I'm going to go. What an asshole. <laughs> man. Well, we'd love it if you guys would plug yourselves. Where can people follow you on social media, website, all that fun stuff? Yeah, so uh, Redcon 1 is available everywhere uh, from Walmart to every military base and Ford operating base in the, in the world. And uh, GNC, Vitamin Shop, also Redcon1.com. And you can follow us on social media at, the, at Redcon 1. With the number one, and uh, also at Redcon One Gym. Redcon One Gym, yeah. If you want to come Con hang out at the gym, come see the gym. Redcon One Gym dot com is the gyms, and yeah. yeah. So did y'all stop working out, doing and pushing that part of it? Are you still? I mean, with the writing and everything, oh, or is yeah. this can consume? No, I go. I go to the gym every day, but it's not. A, I get not that. A, it's not uh, what I mean. You know, yeah. I, I get that part. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I hope so. You're not stuck like that, are you? <laughs> when does that happen? <laughs> right? That's isn't that funny? That's one thing you keep having to do over and over. Yeah, you can't stop. That yeah. cutting the grass, right? It yeah. grows back. Yeah. Keeps going. And the minute yeah. you, you you stop working out, you. It, it grows, grows back. back, yeah. It, it grows, grows back. back. Yeah, it, it all grows back. It grows back to whatever, yeah, that sitting yeah. stage. Yeah, that's yeah. where I'm at. I'm working on it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it, it knows what the most comfortable phase is. It wants to stay in that. Uh, that's right now. Yeah. Strange question, but if somebody was trying your product for the very first time, which product would you suggest they try first? Well, it, it depends on the goals. So if they're if they're getting to the gym and they want to you know, try to get the best workout and they're there, right? Total Wars are pre workout, which people love. It comes in a ready to drink, you know, uh, drink at, at almost every gym in the country, um, or the powder form, which is available everywhere. 
Um, my personal favorite product isn't Total War. It's the uh, Meals Ready to Eat Emery. Don't I know Emery doesn't sound good to you at all. But <laughs> you have bad memory. Of it. This is the good flashbacks tasting. right yeah. there. Good tasting Emery. Like the Four Fingers of Death or something <laughs> like that. You know, they're, they're so, awesome. I need to send you guys yeah. some. So Emery is uh, is our it's whole food meal replacement drink. So it's uh, chicken, beef, salmon, eggs. Is the protein source tastes Does not delicious? T- you Doesn't don't taste, taste like any that. of that. Uh, well, I remember uh, I had them back in the day. They were horrible. No, so no, they're these. not. They're not like that. No, I, trust me. Everybody says that. Like, dude, they're terrible. I'm like, no, it's different. I, I'd love to know how you, the chemist mind, how you figured all that. So honestly, we got pretty pretty I, I lucky. Know what I, but I mean, that's crazy yeah, got, to me. We got pretty lucky. So w- what happened was there was a product uh, by this guy, Rich Piano, who's since passed away. Who was just a, it was called I love Real that Food. Guy. Yeah, say Pena. Him? Yeah, that's him, Rich. Dude. Rich. Uh, I think Pena, you're Pena. thinking of the billionaire old guy with the blue eyes. I'm talking so, about the muscle. Oh, the yeah. muscle guy. Okay, I say yeah. his last name wrong. Yeah. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Rich, Rich, Rich Piana. Yeah, yeah, Rich. Yeah, Piana, Piana, Piana. Whatever. Just yeah. yeah, not too long ago, a few years ago. I yeah. Would, uh, yeah, I would watch him on. Yeah, he's a beast. He was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So he had a product called Real Food, which is just a carb product. And all it was was uh, dehydrated uh, sweet potatoes, and uh, and so when we, when me and Eric, the president of Redcon One. Saw that we're like, how is this popular? It's just carbs, like it's just carb powder, and uh, and we were like, well, what would a bodybuilder want to eat in their in their shopping cart, right? You're putting chicken, salmon, eggs, you know, beef, right? You're putting oatmeal, you're putting dehydrated, you know, in this case we use dehydrated, but uh, sweet potatoes, oatmeal, that kind of thing, and then healthy fats, avocado or something, right? And so we ended up his company that he worked for before working with me was called uh, Glambia, and they made. Uh, a uh, salmon protein and a chicken protein. And he told me they taste like nothing. They're like tasteless. And so we decided to ask for our manufacturers to make a chicken. So we know uh, beef protein can be okay tasting. It doesn't taste like beef. Egg, of course, we know egg has been around forever. And so they made this as a sample and we tried it. We gave them a recipe. They made the sample and we tried it and it was unbelievably good. Blueberry cobbler, like a blueberry muffin crushed up in milk. Yeah. And uh, as soon as I tasted them, like this is going to be a huge deal, and uh, and it was like by almost by chance because you would assume that it was going to taste shitty, right? Beef, yeah, right. chicken, salmon, eggs is going to taste bad, but it tasted delicious, and so that was really the genesis that we, we ended up creating the ready to drink version, the protein bars, and everything else, and that's the well, biggest. Did you smash a whole meal like that quick? I yeah, mean, that's that's Very big. Convenient. That's good. That's big, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, it, and it has also, like, most proteins, you know, if it's whey or, like, any other, there's a certain taste that go, you, this no. milk, doesn't have. Milk yeah. and whey, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you don't. I mean, that's perfect It's just the exact flavor. In the, in the field. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that, a whole meal. Whole meal, 600 All calories, boom. Slam that down. And, no. and that, 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 We're going to send you light, some. Yeah. We should yeah. say some. We should have brought some already. You can Great carry around yeah, they're delicious too. So they don't mix. So the big problem with the whey protein drinks is that, you know, uh, is that they taste very like thick, right? Yeah. Whereas this drink, it's easy to drink, and you're getting all your whole food kind of, basically a whole food and a drink. You know, whether it's mm-hmm. a, the ready to drink or a powder, so you're getting the calories and the and the food. And so a lot of people these days don't want uh, lactose. They don't want any milk at all. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm gonna send you some. It'll be the uh, official drink of the uh, Team Never Quit podcast. Soon. Yeah. Ah, there you go. There you go. They only have official, official sleep system. Oh, well, you're, you're going to be sad. That's awesome. Yeah, we'll definitely check them out. Hours before we go, I'm going to definitely check them out. 55 degrees. Yeah. Like literally find that cold spot in the bottom of the sheets, right? Wow. Yeah. Sounds good. It is. You sold me. Nobody else listening, but I'm sold. Do y'all have a podcast? Uh, we've had a few. We 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 kind of took a sabbatical on the one that we did. We did. Uh, the the it was like more of a the podcast was more like for me to like interview people I'm interested in. You okay, know? 
So I've had a long list. Well, then also of, it started with answering questions from people. Well, initially it was, it was answering questions from consumers, and yeah. then we started. We transitioned to it's called the the readiness report. Um, Redcon One means the highest state of readiness. That's the slogan, but it's also what Redcon One means: military readiness. So uh, we started doing the readiness report, and I would get like I've had like uh, everybody from like General Petraeus on to. Roger Stone, uh, all kinds of people that have nothing to do with fitness, basically. I've had a long list of people. I've had lots of team guys on. Um, uh, you, I know you guys had Jack Carr on, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, I've had a long list, of, a list of guys on. But it gives me opportunity to, to talk to people that I wouldn't otherwise be able to talk to. And then, yeah. you know, quite often create relationships with them, friendships and stuff. And uh, so it was more like that than versus like, Building, you know, yeah, brand, like a listener, thing. Yeah, yeah, it was more, more like fun. I feel like ours is kind of somewhere in between. Man, like do, we started I, this just to hang. Mojo asking mm-hmm. questions. I'm here to make a like a friend. Yeah, that's like, cool. Yo, that's, that's, that's how cool. you get when you get personal. Something like, yeah. I mean, I hung out with him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got to hang out with y'all. Right? Yeah, that's and cool. I, I learned so much, and they taught me so much. And when you talk about, because when I go with, with my wife, and they start asking me questions, because she can get that fun stuff out, right? You know, yeah. Kind But yeah, thank y'all so much for oh, our pleasure doing this. Our pleasure yeah, was fun. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. You we're gonna go support y'all, your brother. Y'all right down the road. Yeah, we're going to your event, your brother's event. Okay, how'd you get? Did you come in and get suckered into that? I don't know how it happened. I think she. <laughs> Probably. I, think it was I just don't want you there because this yeah. is a cool place. This is, yeah. where we, this is where I go hide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was your wife just said like, if you're coming that day, why don't you come to dinner? Yeah. At the, why not? You know, I'm happy. I mean, we're, yeah, we're you're in Valhalla. You made it. Good yeah, job. Yeah, we made it. <laughs> nobody goes back here. Yeah. No, I, I, I think, uh, I think since we're staying there, right? And I, you know, your brother's a conservative. I'm happy to support and be there. And if I, you know, have hey, some drinks, I, you know, I, man, I, it's funny we were talking about that too. With our generation is different. We, I, you're not supposed to have parties. Yeah. I said that. Yeah, we, we house done. parties play out. If you notice, like in, in uh, I used this analogy the other day, back when we were growing up, it was like children of divorce. Yeah. One parent would throw a bunch of money at you to shut you up, and then the other one would kind of tell you what to do. That's kind of what you see. Like some mm. people get elected, and it's just like that, right? Yeah, hundred percent. And then they they preaching all this hate and everything. But with our generation, man, because of the divorce thing, we learned, to, and then twenty years of war, mm. yeah, with an enemy with no face. Yeah. And now we're all back together. And it's our turn. They're, they're kind of shifting. We're going into power. Yeah. So I, well, he's going that route. I was like, man, I try to make because I know what this place is made of. Three hundred days a year, city to city, state to state. I got to go travel around, yeah. armed like this, yeah, mm-hmm. and just hang out. And I learned more about this country and the wonderful people that make it up because I mean, they look like us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, talking about me like, bro, yeah, I mean, yeah. they're flaming out, freaking inked up. <laughs> it's some of the powerhouses running into them. It's just fun. It's, yeah. It's so much fun. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode and every other episode. We are so grateful you guys come back every single week to listen. You guys inspire us. You guys are the reasons why we do what we do. If you haven't already, head over to the website, teamneverquit.com slash podcast. Hit that share your story tab, write in your story. Let us know what this show is doing for you, how it's inspired you, what you're going through. We'd love to hear those stories. They mean the world to us. Follow us on social media, teamneverquit.com slash social. You'll find the link to Marcus. Morgan, myself, Team Never Quit. All of us have social media things. We've all got stuff going on. You can check that out. If you haven't already, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, CastBox, anywhere you get your podcasts. We will see you guys next week.